RPGs, RPGs, RPGs. Who's going to talk about RPGs? It's the Titter Pigs. And now it's time for the Titter Pigs, the tabletop RPG podcast. So, am I getting paid for this? Hey everybody, welcome back to Titter Pigs. What is this? Uh, what episode are we on, Scott? Six hundred, six, five, four. I thought we weren't going to script this out. I have no fucking clue what episode we're on. <laughs> ah, all right, I think this is episode six. And and thank thankfully, saying the f word within the first sixty seconds on a podcast does not get you demonetized. Now we would need to be monetized to begin with, but uh, at least we don't have to worry about that if we were. Well, that's um, good because we're not monetized. So perfect. <laughs> All right. Hey, anybody, anyways, welcome back to Titter Pigs. This is, I believe yep. this is episode six. Uh, it's been yep. a while since Scott and I have been together in the studio mm-hmm. uh, across the country, but we're still in the studio together. Uh, yep. First off, we'd like to say thank you to everybody who listened to us in 2021. We really appreciate you being along for the journey with us. It's, it was a fun ride. Absolutely. No, I mean, it, it's been somewhat amazing just seeing the amount of uh, input we've been getting since we started, you know, this tomfoolery that we call a podcast yeah. and the support from, you know, a quite a large variety of people and just just all in all, it just it's it's been beyond the expectations of, you know, what I was even considering to be when we were, you know, fiddling around with with the idea. So, yes, thank you, thank you, thank you and thank you. And yeah, let me let me clarify Scott's point about all those, you know, the people. Thank you to all six people that have listened to all of our episodes. Thank you, all six of you. Mom, dad. Right. <laughs> so, anyways, no, and, thank you to everybody. You, and, you and, and, and of course, and, and of course, Bud, who's listening just to make sure we're not saying anything bad about him. That's the only reason why he listens to the end. So, yeah, true um, story. But anyway, so 2022. Uh, we've survived another turn around the sun. Uh, we, we've, we've gone into this, this wonderful new year with absolutely no issues, no problems. It's just sun, sunshine and rainbows from here on out. And, oh, wait, sorry. That's the wrong script. Um, (laughs) No, no, you need to put that script away. Let's get to the real script we wrote. But yeah, so it's with that, you know, as you mentioned, we've been busy. Uh, it's been the holidays and so kind of what we've done in other aspects when we've gotten together and it's been a while, we just take a moment to see what have we been up to and, you know, what, what do we do during the holidays? What have we got coming up in the, uh, you know, in the immediate future and just, you know, have a little discussion about that. So Keith, how was your holidays? Thanks for asking. No, my holidays, <laughs> my holidays were good. I got to, I got to spend some quality, um, non COVID time with my family, my in-laws, my granddaughter, uh, both my boys. Um, mm-hmm. The COVID came right after Christmas with everybody except me, apparently. Right. My immediate family. but So that was good, but I had to get COVID tested, so that was not fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, that being said, I didn't get a lot of Christmas gifts this year that were game-related. I got some mm-hmm. tchotchke stuff, which is always fun. Got a new dice tray and things like that. But I think the best Christmas gift I got this year was when my 10-year-old granddaughter asked me to teach her to play Dungeons & Dragons. So... I think I win this year. That's fantastic. <laughs> I mean the the enjoyment Can you tell I'm of still your... beaming. I loved it. It was it's the yeah. best. It's fantastic. 
It's you know the enjoyment of your children, and of course, your grandchildren are the the gift that tends to keep on giving. Uh, not necessarily the two Christmas presents you failed to mention that got you, but um, anyways, uh, moving on. Uh, <laughs> I, I was getting there, but oh, fine, fine. Talk about your grandchildren first, well, and of then we'll talk. So, anyways, I I stepped on your toes. <laughs> no, no, moment, it's all but, good. But <laughs> I would like to thank Scott. That's and me. That that yes, that would be you. <clears throat> and and some of our uh, other fine feathered friends for um, uh, for their nice uh, role playing game gifts this year. So that yes. I, I have some nice new books on my shelf. Um, Scott got me a nice copy of Nephilim. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was fantastic. That is uh, a game I played in the nineties. I had been looking for a copy uh, after Seller's Remorse, so that was that's nice to get. Right. So that is actually a, in the last episode, uh, Scott mentioned some things you guys can look forward to in 2022. That is going to be one of the things we are going to talk about in a future episode. Uh, now yes. that we both have copies of it, uh, we're going to talk about it and see if it lives up to Keith's expectations and remembrances of playing it in the mid 90s. So, right, a, a a a deep dive. So you know, yeah. get your get your dark black trench coat out, Keith. Um, <laughs> yeah. And we'll, 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 like, like I mentioned, we'll see who can remember being the biggest edgelord. Yeah, I don't know. 90s. We're going to have to see who wins. Maybe our, maybe our <laughs> list, all six of our listeners will have to vote. <laughs> and then Scott got me a, uh, a DCC uh, Lankmar box set. So that is fantastic. Right. Uh, technically, how it went was, was <laughs> I did get you the, the box set, uh, was primarily for, for the Christmas present, which but this this Nephilim thing came up. Uh, it's the original print is mentioned, and like most things, there's just a ridiculous amount of collector pricing. But this one was well within reason. In fact, it was less expensive than the reprint on uh, drive through. So wow, that's fantastic. Just, so just just had to had to grab that, and you know, it, it arrived late. So that's because it came from Canada. So that was kind of like the 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 big thing but but yeah so no great i'm i'm looking forward to that i'm not looking forward to reading it because i paged through it <laughs> it's it's a bit hard on these old eyes but uh True you story. know I, I i do have reader glasses now so i'll you know be utilizing those to yeah so what'd you get over the holidays well um i actually i think i've made out like a bandit uh this year uh i i did receive from you uh i did receive a uh, uh several copies of uh, the Baker Street RPG, um, which was the core book and some supplements and adventures, uh, along with uh, the Sherlock die, I think it's called, or whatever it's called, which is the dice is up there on my collector shelf where it needs to stay, otherwise it'll be lost (laughs) in the bag of dice. I did receive a, um, uh, there were some wonderful gifts from uh, Pookie and and, and Neve, and then also... From my wife, well, I should say my wife and family, I did receive the complete box set of Chaosium's Horror on the Orient Express for oh, seventh edition. Right. The, the Kickstarter box set, absolutely complete. Everything is in there. It looks virtually unused. I mean, it, obviously, it was open and used to a certain degree because the um, the oh, what's the little puzzle man called the, uh, the um, simulacrum. The simulacrum was in pieces, whereas if I if I remember correctly, it originally would be in like a little punch board that you would punch the pieces out or something. But uh, but everything's in there and it's in fantastic shape. Hopefully, if my current Call of Cthulhu players ever make their way out of New York in my masks game uh, five years from now, uh, we might pick that up next. <laughs> if we could good luck with the that. Masks. Yeah, exactly. 
but that aside, yeah, it's you know my my son who is uh, who is a gamer himself. Uh, he received a lot of gamer adjacent uh, presents that uh, you know technically are his, but you know do fall into stuff that daddy can use if if it's available. He he received a very nice and generous gift from my dad, his grandfather, a huge amount of old Dragon magazines um, that him oh, yeah. and his D and D. Some of those club. were cool. I love I, God. I love those covers. Oh yeah, and it's and it and, and I don't know if it was they just threw in it because, but uh, there was a couple old white dwarfs that were in there oh, uh, on top of it, and then also some of the best of you know volumes one, two, and three of the Dragon magazine. So it's just this huge lot, and I've been thumbing through some of them. He's looked at some of them himself and taken them to his D and D club, but it's it's a wealth of information too, and also nostalgia. I mean, I'm wow. you know looking at magazines that I actually bought off the shelf and red and you know and all those all those one thing mm-hmm. i remember thumbing through that one i remember thumbing through that one yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Just, that, so was, just, that, that was a trip down memory lane oh it is and it's and it may be something you know that, and that could be a subject also you know farther down the road you know the the you know the dragon magazines dungeon magazines just you know we can have a segment of you know uh we're old uh and we love our nostalgia so piss off or something like that we'll work on the name yeah, uh, yeah we'll figure it out <laughs> Yeah, but uh, but yeah, so that's that's pretty much it. I mean, there might be a little couple things here or there, but that, those were the highlights from my Christmas uh, gaming wise. Nice. So. Other than your on again, off again masks game, have you been able to get any gaming in? Yeah, so they're still continuing on with uh, the astonishing swordsmen and sorcerers of Hyperborea, which we'll, we'll just call Ash or Hyperborea from now on, since they've kind of changed the title. Asshole. I know I'm a giant asshole, uh, which, uh, you know, got a couple of those games in. Now, those were predicated on, you know, some people had gotten sick, too. So there was a couple of cancellations here and there. And, of course, the holidays. Um, right. But uh, that's going on. Good Lord. I, I want to say this is well over our second year. So this is literally the the longest running campaign that I've been involved in. Sweet you know, baby Jesus, with the same people involved, uh, wow. which is another which is another cool. I'm thing. jealous, and and still enjoying it. I mean, an, an absolute blast. And for and for those who may know him, this is run by um, uh, by Andy Markham, and uh, who runs a fantastic game. You some of you may have played in his AD and D game and his you know DCC game and any of his other games. And you you know those that know him know he's a He's a great guy, but uh, and aside from that, um, let's see here. Did oh yeah, and we our our ongoing Rune Quest, uh, right? You know, yeah, that we were able to squeeze in a, a couple. So with you know, which you're playing in. Yep. Um, so I don't know if, if I'm forgetting something, forgive me. But those are the ones that kind of you know float to the top that I recall. Yeah, I think that's the Rune Quest squeezing in sessions of Impossible Landscapes. That's really oh. <laughs> Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, those are really the only two I've been able to <laughs> squeeze in over the holidays just because, I mean, even though I had all that time off in December, I really didn't get a whole lot of gaming in, although I did a lot of reading and a lot of, wrote a lot of reviews, not as much as Pookie writes, but I wrote a lot. Any particular one kind of comes to the foreground of the reviews that you did that you liked so far? Because I know you <sighs> did. You've been, you know, kind of prolific in the reviews and the amount of reading that you've been just kind of Oh my gosh, out. man. I have, I read so much. For the most part, I like Apoc Thulu's uh, new supplement, mm-hmm. Terrible New Worlds, uh, okay. for kind of full, fully fleshed, uh, kind of canon breaking uh, campaigns. Okay, uh, two of which I really, really liked. Mm-hmm. One is kind of outside of my gaming comfort zone, 
Right. Uh, right. Cause just because of the subject matter, not to say that it's bad. I think it's actually got a lot of potential. It's just, it's not for me. Right. And the other was a little sandboxy, but yet quite railroady. Uh, it would be really great for first time players. Okay. And a first time handler, I think that would do really well with that. Nothing wrong with that. No, no, not at all. Just it's, it's, yeah. again, it's not something that I need. If I were to expand on it myself and do a little heavy lifting, it could be really good too. So, right. And yeah. it's not to say that it's bad. So I thought that was really good. Uh, I'm currently reading, uh, well, I read um, Planner Compass 2 and okay. wrote a review for that. Um, mm-hmm. Long story short, good stuff. Didn't like the layout. Meh. Right. But the content was really solid. Currently reading Occam's Razor from Stygian Fox. I'm just okay. about done. I, got, I think I got about three pages left. And then I can start hacking out my review of that. Okay. What else? I've gotten recently for, for reviews, uh, Maganomia from Shoestone Press. Okay. Elizabethan era courtly magic. So it's historical fantasy. Right. Uh, quite interesting. Kind of on the same lines of desanction, but the book is literally almost 400 pages. So it's on steroids. Oh. And it's fate-based. So the, ap- the, ex- the exact opposite the of The polar de-sanction. opposite of a, you know, a 52-page <laughs> book or 60-page book. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> it holds a lot of potential because, I, I mean... You know me and some of the listeners that have been listening for a while know that I like historical topics. So right, yeah. So yeah, I've been Fantastic. I've been neck deep in in reading stuff when I can. Mm-hmm. Currently, as we're recording this, works a little chaotic right now. I'm a temporarily got promoted, so I got to do that kind of stuff. So it's kind of kind of forced me to kind of scale back some of my gaming and some of my reading. But you know, it is what it is. Right. So yeah, that's that's kind of kind of falls into a bit of you know aside. But what have we been up to? But what are we looking forward to? <laughs> Uh, I know that that you know your your work situation is kind of thrown a spanner into some of that. Yeah, true story. Uh, but that aside, um, so so that sounds like we've we've you know may have touched base on how our holidays went. You know, kind of what we've been involved in, what we've accomplished. Um, you know, are the the wonderful presents that we've gotten from all sorts of people and whatnot. And so yeah, so that brings us into the new year. You know, I'm I think you know you and I both probably had a very casual. New Year's Eve, nothing, you know, no drama, nothing to write home about, I would imagine. Nah, pretty mellow. Uh, I slept but, through uh, but, it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, you can, you can see my, you know, as, as soon as you said that, I think I just saw another brown hair of my beard turn gray. Yeah, because uh, we're, just... <laughs> we're old. We're old. So, Scott, it's 20, mm-hmm. so it's so as we're recording this, it is 2022, so. Yes. For, so for the next three months, right, so mm-hmm. for the first quarter, maybe into the second quarter of the year. What are you mm-hmm. looking forward to playing, running, you know, what's getting your mental juices flowing? Right. Well, one thing I'm looking forward to briefly, which was touched upon, is continuing on with my uh, Masks of uh, Nyarlathotep campaign, and uh, which has kind of hit several snags. Uh, they're still stuck in New York. Uh, they have been for some time. Uh, they've been playing this almost like in completionist mode, so I need to kind of pull up my big boy, uh, you know, GM pants and not necessarily railroad them, but try to kind of give them a little subtle nudge to like, hey, you know, this campaign is going to take us four years if you continue <laughs> down this road. So, right. But uh, we've got we've got a couple of new players coming in, which is great because we had one fall out. Um, mm, fresh and meat. So yes, fresh meat. And so, <laughs> so I'm looking forward to that. And I'm 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 definitely looking forward to get out in New York so I can start using the other damn props that I paid money for too. Nice. Um, so because they've pretty much used them all up. Uh, that aside, I, th- I think the uh, the 500 pound gorilla in the room that I have that I'm looking forward to that hopefully you'll be involved in is my 
up and coming uh, game of Night Below. Over the holidays, um, Fantasy Grounds had a sale. And one of the things that was for sale was their version, well, not their version, but the, their Night Below campaign that they've made compatible for the Fantasy Grounds uh, software, which which I had I had already owned the uh, their their version of the AD and D compendium, the first, second edition okay. rules, Dungeon Master's Guide, all the other stuff that I had picked up uh, over time when they had other sales. Never got around to used it, but you know, Night Below is another big campaign like masks a famous yeah, I've, one i've never that, played uh, it and i i've owned it three times and i've never mm-hmm. played it so. you've owned it three times i've owned, owned it three times and i've sold it three times <laughs> bastard uh, i still don't know i don't own a copy now though so i'm looking forward to that i mean we you and i we've we've been involved in discussions we've talked with a couple other people um you know there are players in that you know with with pookie and neve uh, i kind of have my coach you know in bud yeah you know who's who's there being you know he's this, our subject you know, matter of, expert Oh, yeah, and all things Night Below and AD&D 2nd Edition. And for those of you who are kind of going, why 2nd Edition, Scott? There's so many other rule sets out there that why you can not? utilize. Uh, but, uh, you know, like Old School Essentials and whatnot, which I would say yes. I would say absolutely 100% yes, there are. I did but ask the, that question, by the way, because I wanted to use Old School Essentials. Right. The primary reason is is because since all the rules and, and every aspect of second edition is automatically baked in, so when all you guys really need to do is just click a button, that's the primary primary reason why. It's just it's having everything there at at your at the ready for you guys to do whatever the heck you want, but having to use the second edition rule set or me having to recreate the wheel, so to speak, and then you know, we we're essentially doing night below, but then I'm having to, you know, add Generally speaking, it's not much, but it's just, you know, any conversion, it's still extra work. Right. And I really did, I wanted to focus on just the the campaign itself and not have to worry too much about the rules and Fantasy Grounds in its current status with everything. Everything there at the ready. All I need to do is just prepare for the campaign. I don't have to worry about yeah, doing Yeah, see, I'm cool with of, that. I'd rather, yeah. I'd rather you focus on the story and the narrative. We mm-hmm. can just hit a button. I mean, I grew up playing second edition, so a lot of it's mm-hmm. going to come... F- I haven't played it in 20 years, but a lot of it right. will come flooding back to me in terms of mm-hmm. uh, this does that and that modifier applies. So a lot of that stuff will come back to me. But, you know, right. hey, I, I'm invested. I I bought a reprint of the player's handbook because, well, if I'm going to play a game, I got to own the damn yeah. book. So, you know, that's it. It's come you're to welcome, Watsy. As most everyone else did, too, which was great. Yeah, uh, you're welcome, you know, Watsy. So. <laughs> and, and I rediscovered it myself. I mean, I, I don't want to go too far off a tangent, but I, I did uh, start rereading the uh, the second edition, the original Player's Handbook. You know, with the, um, uh, the blue writing, with the, with the guy writing, yeah, whatever the guy riding on the horse through yeah. the canyon or whatever it is. And I forgot how. I mean, maybe wonderfully is the wrong term, but it is a very simple and easy read. It, yeah. There's not a lot of bloat. There's not a lot of additional over explanation. Uh, within it, it's it's a it's a straight rule set with good artwork, but a minor amount that's not, you know, taking your focus off of. I used to be able to itself. cite pages in that book. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I mean, on page seventy nine. There's this, mm-hmm. or I need this, and it's on X page. So right. Yeah, I had that thing and, committed and the, to memory at one point in my life. And the font. It's almost like they knew we were going to get older. Uh, yes, it's 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 still an easy read. I don't need my glasses for it. So it's it's been a joy to venture back into that. So, um, well, so I'm yeah, looking that, forward to it. Me and my wild mage, we're looking forward to it. Yes, and we 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 did a little test run on the uh, on the uh, wild magic table today, and you rolled up. You randomly polymorph. 
Um, I told so. you my wild mage is going to be soft and squishy until I polymorph <laughs> into a fucking hamster. So, so yeah, so, so yeah, so what, we, I mean, hopefully, you know, in regards to your availability, you know, with, with work and everything yeah. and things turn out that I know, I'm, you know, not going to pretend like, you know, you're going to be there a hundred percent of the time, but at least your involvement is enough to where we'll be able to touch base and highlight in every once in a while on the podcast on how the night below is going. Yeah. Um, I'd also like so, to highlight, uh, this coming year, uh, my, my adventures of gaming with a 10 year old girl with my granddaughter. Yes. Uh, I won't be bringing her on the podcast, but, mm-hmm. um, I will be highlighting my my adventures uh, as I teach her the game and the ropes and and with that comes wonderful ten year old insights on things. Which oh is my always, god! Always a joy to hear. Yeah, so. we ran our first session last weekend because we're going to play every other weekend when she's at the house and we mm-hmm. played last weekend and oh that was an eye opener for this old guy <laughs> and I loved it. I loved every minute of it. That's great. And she That's woke great. she woke me up at six thirty the next morning and asked me to start going. I'm like, not till I have my coffee, sweetheart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, because she wanted so, to keep playing, so it was great. Fantastic. So, I, I and kind of within the time span you mentioned, one more quick thing that I'm looking forward to is near the end of next month, I'm going to be going to Strategicon. Uh, it's their you know the three three times a year convention that that happens here in Southern California. It's, I think, one of the oldest and maybe the only ones down, down here still. So, um, I'm going to be running a couple games there and involved in a couple games. I'm going to be running the RuneQuest starter set, the introductory adventure nice. uh, there, which I, I couldn't tell you in the times that I've been there if I've ever seen RuneQuest offered up. So I'm hoping that uh, we get some takers. I think and, you will. And I, I hope so. I mean, and it's for those familiar with the RuneQuest starter set, literally, I can, I can almost just show up because everything is there and prepared for me. It's going to be using those beautiful pregens. Which scenario are you going to run? Uh, the first one, um, I don't have it in front no, of no, me. I, so. Yeah, no, that's fine. I, um, yeah. I know which one it is because I have the starter yeah. set too. But no, that's a good. Yeah. I think that'll be a good one. And then, then uh, this is kind of more for me, but um, I'm going to be running uh, Sue Savage's Matrons of Mystery, Ooh, um, nice. offering that up. And I'm going to be running the um, oh, to, is it to dice for the the one the one scenario that's dealing that takes place at a gaming convention, yes. I believe. Um, so d- looking forward to that, and of course, you know, I'll be looking forward to feeding how that goes back to Sue. Cause I I'm hear sure Justine might uh, make an appearance in that game. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, listeners. That's an inside joke. <laughs> and I'm going to be playing uh, the um, uh, the Dresden Files Fate Accelerated. I'll be playing in that. Uh, I heard a sword rumor the, about that. Yeah? Yeah. And, sword in, and someone's offering Sword of the Serpentine or Serpentine, which is another kind of like, whoa, really? You're, yeah, well, we're going to have to talk that. about your opinion of that after on the yeah. next episode because I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm genuinely curious. Yeah. And, and then, of course, with that is... You know, doing a video uh, to show you and Bud and Pookie what's you know for sale there. Oh yes, at the at the at the, at the you know traders venue in the flea market. So, oh yeah, so like, so for everybody yeah. last year at Strategicon, uh, Scott was mm-hmm. our shopping mule, <laughs> and so for for Bud Pookie and I, he, uh, he did a little um, uh, Zoom live uh from from the flea market space and he went through boxes and tables and yeah we just kept telling him to grab stuff and all kinds of stuff ended up at my house a couple of weeks later and a bunch of it ended up in england so (laughs) i i I must say even though it was my pleasure to be 
your guys's RPG Mule. Uh, <laughs> it took a bit of effort to get both of those ElfQuest boxes up there. Um, so I am never mind. Uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, so that's that's kind of you know just it off the top of my head of you know nice rolling into twenty twenty two. Definitely have some you know things to look forward to, right, right, and and things to report upon. You know when we continue on with you know other oh, aspects right of the podcast. Right on. No, I think the only other thing I've got is uh, to add to that is uh, obviously I'm looking forward to playing Night Below and my Wild Mage. Mm-hmm. Um, don't know what I'm gonna I'm gonna name my Wild Mage yet, but uh, we're gonna come up with a hamster appropriate name because I am sure I will polymorph into a hamster because every time <laughs> I've ever played a Wild Mage, it's polymorphed into a hamster. I have nice. I cannot break tradition. Um, the other two big things like big rocks I want to do this year, uh, at least mm-hmm. in the, over the next couple of months, uh, work permitting. Right. Um, I want to I want to get started on Twilight 2000, the fourth edition. I want to okay. get that to the table on uh, Foundry because I have the Free League's uh, implementation, virtual right. tabletop implementation of it as part of the Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. And if I can find the bloody time to read Run Out the Guns, I would like to maybe explore uh, that. Okay. Um, so I was able to acquire a copy of Run Out the Guns. It's by, uh, for those who not who aren't familiar with it, it's by Ice, the the original creators of Rollmaster or yep. Chartmaster, as uh, it was affectionately known back in the day. And this is basically Rollmaster Light with a pirate theme. And right. I've owned the game previously. Uh, I bought it, no kidding, in the 90s, off the shelf, new and shrank. Uh, opened it up and never read it, never played it. And I have this thing about pirates. I love pirate stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm on a pirate kick again right now. I don't know why, yes, but I are. am. So I go it's, through these cycles. It's almost as if you are between the devil and the deep blue. I'm not going there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going there. Uh, Jason and Jesse, I love you, but I'm not going there. So yeah, so I was able to acquire a copy off of eBay, uh, in the last couple of days, week or so for Mm -hmm. like 20 bucks, almost brand new, like literally like no shrink on it, but hundred percent complete unused unread. So I'm hoping to be able to read. It's got like 10 pamphlets in it though. (laughs) Were, were, were Were you one of those who, when you would buy, buy something, you know, gaming wise, would you put your name in it? No. Okay, damn it, because I'm kind of, I'm hoping for that, you know, to for you to open that up and go, this belongs to Keith. It's like, I I did it with, uh, when I was in, when I was on active duty, I did it with a few of my regularly used books, so we didn't mix them up. Right, Right. that'd be fantastic, though, if that's, you know, and I just opened it up, never played it, boxed it, and sold it. And And holy shit, I got my copy back. So many years, (laughs) it's back. Yeah, so seller's remorse, and well, I got it back, so I would like to get it to the table. I don't, I mean, this year sometime, I would love to do it sooner rather than later, but who the hell knows? So, cool. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm looking forward to. But the you know the big thing was playing D and D with my ten year old granddaughter. Fantastic, fantastic! It's a joy. I love gaming with you guys, but that is just hands down. It's fantastic for me. Oh, trust me. I mean, I when I get to it's far and few between these days because they're doing their own kick. But when I get to play, you know, with my son and his friends, right? It's a it's a joy. It's a different experience altogether. Regardless, yeah. Wait till your kids are older, man. I got my my oldest is thirty two. Mm-hmm. you know and then my youngest is almost 21 and at university right so i got the 10 year old granddaughter at the house you know every usually every other weekend or so yeah you, you need to do what i see there's some, some person who does it it's like uh the, the similar scenario it's like 12 year old chatter 
from the gaming table. It's kind of like a segment type thing. Right. And it'll be just like this this offbeat comment that their their child has said that that either bodes a little bit of wisdom or is a little bit silly or is a really honest to God take on, you know, the precious aspects of the gaming industry that if it was an adult, you know, they would be canceled <laughs> and blocked. But since right. it's a child, people people are forced to deal with the realities. So well now that we it. had our first session and she mm-hmm. um we got we used pre gens and or she used a pre gen with the kicks um sidekick rule. Yep. From the D&D Essentials box set, we did the little uh, Gnome Guard little mission. So now she's back in Fandolin, and she's going to have a couple more missions to choose from. And where mm-hmm. she goes from there, she, she'll she decide. But she, when we got done, she said, can I make my own character now? So we made <laughs> a full-blown character. So she's going to run her character and mm-hmm. her pre-gen with the sidekick. Excellent. So she may have some little nuggets of wisdom that I bring to the podcast. Who knows? We'll find out next <laughs> month. Absolutely. Well, I think, what do you think? I think we, you and I may have kind of babbled on a bit yeah, here. Yeah, I think we need to roll into the, our main segment. We're going to talk about zines. The good, the yes. bad, the ugly, Zenmo, mm-hmm. Zymo, whatever they're calling it. We're going to... Zine. It's pronounced zine. Anyways, carry on. Yes, I know it's pronounced zine. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, let's head on over there and right. we'll get into the nitty gritty of it let's all. Let's do it. All right, listeners, we are back. Uh, this month, we're going to talk about zines, the good, the bad, the beautiful. Uh, we've got uh, Andy Markham with us. He is a self-proclaimed xenophile. Is that the right word, Andy? <laughs> I'm just a fan. How are you? All right. Doing? He's a fanboy, but... Uh, um, <laughs> that's true. And, and Andy's the smartest guy Scott knows. <laughs> well, that's well, a sad statement right there. <laughs> in regards, in regards to, to yes, to a lot of the RBG history and whatnot. So yeah, but but also I will. I also want to you know introduce Andy because I've brought up your name in several occasions. You are the the GM for the online game for the Ash campaign that you've been running for almost two years now. It seems like um, yeah, about, yeah, two years and a couple of months. I think uh, mm-hmm. astonishing swordsmen and sorcerers of Hyperborea, otherwise known as Hyperborea. Right. And uh, and a wonderful outlet of historical and sage advice in regards to RPGs that you're more than willing to uh, touch upon, provide to me and everyone else for all these years. And a lot of people, you know, who listen to this will already know who you are through a lot of other areas, uh, including um, the Spellburn the Spellburn podcast and other podcasts you've been on. So, so accolades all around. You know, clap clap clap. Like, Welcome. Clap, clap. Woo! I think you know if you're if you're in it for as long as I have been, somebody says you have accolades. The truth is, I've just been gaming since <laughs> before you know before the before the uh, dawn of time. So that's, right, that's, those are my credentials. Well, those so, are good credentials. So, <laughs> so we're here to talk about you know the, well the topic of the hour is we're here to talk about zines uh, for a variety of reasons. Obviously, you know people are aware it is Zine Month, and we'll touch on that a little bit later on. But uh, we're here to discuss, you know, all things zines and we, you know, what better way to talk about than to bring someone who knows a hell of a lot more than we do, you know, so Keith and I don't have to stumble and pretend like we know what we're talking about. And <laughs> yeah, so, no. you know, what is a zine, a history of the zines, you know, where, where are zines out currently in, in its modern incarnation and, you know, toss in a bit of opinions here or there and just have a, just a general casual discussion of it. So sounds like a blast. Let's do it. 
All right. All right. So, I, so I want to caveat. Like to well, before we get started, let me caveat okay. this uh, for listeners. If you head over to our YouTube channel, uh, you'll be able to see some uh, video footage. Andy's got uh, some show and tells uh, that Good. may end up on the camera. So if you want to check out uh, some of these older zines, some newer things as the conversation's happening, obviously check out our YouTube channel. Yes. And so, I, I brought some also just just for fun, for shits and giggles. So and, nice. Yep. I got a but, few. Uh, so, Keith, where should we where should we steer the ship? Where would where would we like to begin? Uh, let's start. Obviously, let's go back in time, right? Kind of rewind everything. Let's go back to the I'd say go back to the beginning. But um, zines have been around in my research since like the 30s with some pulp sci-fi. So I think even before then, like 1800s amateur amateur press associate association zines, you know. Yeah. There you go. So let's. I guess that's. Let's start with that. Like for zine collectors, right? Uh, what What is a zine? Like, what was a zine in the seventies as it relates to like role playing games or even other genres that influenced our love of our own hobby uh, to have zines? I, th I think at its core, it's just a way for people to express their fandom and to participate in a thing that they love in any genre that might be music or um, pulp fiction, movies. Um, and uh of course role-playing games okay um yeah. go ahead scott go ahead oh no i was just i was just yeah add to that and to totally agree i mean it's uh, another term obviously is a fanzine which kind of may mean a different thing in different circles but it's there's a an amateurish amateuristic appeal to this where you can be a part of something so much bigger than yourself yeah. and yet don't have to provide a lot of expensive materials or, or certain things in regards to it to show your love of, of a particular genre. And yeah, it's probably been around for a long time, but you know, the general definition of, you know, what is a zine has always been this, you know, this kind of like, I'm going to get two pieces of paper, go to my dad's office when he's not there, yes. run a few things through the copy machine, including my butt at least once, <laughs> staple that together. You know, and now we know, you know what Scott does in his in his free time. Oh, geez, I just did it before we started. Uh, uh, just ask you, were, did you did you see me in my dad's office doing that? Because you just described the eighties for me. Oh my gosh! And, and and so and then there you had it, and then you you would give it to friends and maybe a couple people, and you would you know run off fifty or maybe even fifteen copies of it, but uh, it wasn't really meant to be done for the sake of monetary reason it was just done for the love of whatever it is you were making it for yeah they and, were like handouts or flyers like here's what i love about our scene and here's mm -hmm. how i want to grow our scene and right please please acknowledge me i'm in our scene or whatever and it was it was handouts like flyers almost like our business cards right yeah I, I remember in the music scene when i was a teenager going to the clubs and stuff and checking out live shows and garage bands and whatnot getting like a little four page maybe six page single staple maybe triple staple zine that somebody ran off like at kinko's or yeah. you know or at the xerox machine at mom or dad's work i mean right. i remember those things mm -hmm. cheesy art so, so important to have a friend at kinko's right you could whoever yeah. was working the overnight shift preferably you kind of just roll Hook a brother in there up. exactly <laughs> right. that's what it was all I about need 16 so make... copies of this mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so well then I guess, you know, it, with that, in that regards, you know, there's a general idea of, you know, what may constitute at least a zine from its inception. And so, you know, a lot of it, you know, a lot of people may instantly recognize something within music. I mean, it's big within music, but it doesn't mean it was singular to that. 
And so we, which brings us into, you know, why we're here and we're talking about RPGs and games. And then we, that's why we have our, you know, uh, repository of historical knowledge. Uh, Wait, no, no, it's not Keith. No, no. Listen, it is not me either. It's that is John Peterson for the record. True. True. I I get that. But I I am just a fan and a light collector and uh, happy to talk about So speaking of your collection. So what is your earliest zine? Like, give us a good example of a rock solid early zine. I mean, then we, I think we got to first define what a zine is, right? Because okay, my, yeah. er, my earliest role-playing game stuff is not a zine. Right. Unless you count OD&D as a zine, and we're right there in the gray area right out the gate. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> All right, so then collectively, how are we going to define the zine for listeners so we can, as the basis of this conversation? I think the general point is that you can't, but you can express your opinion about what it is. Right. Typically, it is some DIY-style stapled digest size thing doesn't have to be digest in fact some of the uh, more important zines in rpg history are eight and a half by 11 most notably alarms and excursions but uh so most people think of a zine as a digest size or an a5 sized uh for those in the uk Mm -hmm. um uh, stapled handmade pamphlet style thing which is why it's so confusing with early role-playing games because Chainmail 1971 came out in that style. And of course, original Dungeons and Dragons 1974 were all in the pamphlet style presentation. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, I know I know you have a collecting passion for uh, Arduin. Did I say it right? Yeah, sure. Well, okay. some people say Arduin, but I say Arduin because right. D is in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but to me, that's always been a zine. It's right. It has this DIY look to it. It has the the digester A5 size to it, saddle stitched. Yeah. Um, the yeah. early ones look like they could have been high end Kinkos. Sure, um, but, but they were also st- made to to emulate the OD and D books, right? Right, the, like the the little brown books of original Dungeons and Dragons is uh, the Arduin books are packaged similarly with the same kind of uh, hand sketched amateur style art. Right, also, Errol Otis's first uh, paid work. But Very why true. wouldn't those be a zine, though? Well, I think I would call them a zine. You call them a zine. I don't think the author, David A. Hargrave, would call them a zine. He would call it a system. I would disagree. And so did Gary Gygax <laughs> in, in multiple zines. Um, but, yeah, so basically it's it's a supplement to Dungeons & Dragons. Does that mm-hmm. make it a zine? I don't know. Kind of. It's kind of like here are some of my house rules or some cool ideas that I had in a very – interesting but haphazard presentation and you flip through it and every page is just dripping with evocative inspiration which is what drew me to them of course i was a kid at the time and i still love them um but yeah i I think they're zines but i think the author would disagree that they are zines so what are some good examples then of of that early scene stage? We were discussing earlier of how like, you know, the creation of what would become, you know, D&D and Chainmail, you yeah. know, was this culmination of what you said were like, you know, just a variety of different, you know, fan scenes of that particular scene. Yeah. Um, and it became this repository. But then, of course, that would have spawned, you know, other scenes. So you had sure. mentioned uh, alarms and excursions. Yeah, I don't know if that if that's the official first, you know, role-playing game zine, certainly there were lots of gaming zines before then, um, Mm -hmm. especially war gaming zines. Oh yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and I think going back to the 50s, and I think a case could be made that early or original Dungeons and Dragons is essentially a compilation of ideas using elements, rules elements from war game zines that were previously published. Mm-hmm. In other words, there was no, this is how to play the game in any of those books, either Chainmail or OD&D or any of the supplements. Only until right. sort of Holmes, I think, which was 1977, Holmes Basic Edition, did you get here's how to play the game in any meaningful way. And even then, um, right. point being, um, I think OD&D it, itself was a mm-hmm. form of zine. Um, but in terms of the, the fanzines that D&D spawned, there right. was a big scene in England I mean, namely uh, Beholder, I guess Owl and Weasel, which became White Dwarf, Mm -hmm. uh, and and, uh, lots of other titles. But in the U.S., you had, of course, uh, The Dungeoneer by uh, Janelle Jacquez and uh, Alarums and Excursions, which is, I think, sort of the most well-known apazine. And that's, uh, I'll I'll show my uh, issue here. This is August 79. Um, Oh, wow. This is an 8.5 by 11. And I mean, it is mimeographed tightly typed i mean this is basically it looks like a forums it looks like a manual it looks like a tech manual yeah Yeah. from the 70s it's it's really just nerds yelling at each other from issue to issue (laughs) and basically saying like here's what i would do if i were gygax and i'm better than gygax there's some version of that in every page on here right and uh, by the way our arduin was spawned from these very pages Um, in fact you can sort of trace the roots of the God, now I got to start collecting something else. Well, I mean, <laughs> spoiler alert, uh, this is still in, in print. I, mean, like, uh, I know. Yeah. Lee Gold still publishes, I think it's since 1975 until present. And now there's mm-hmm. a digital archive of it. So check yeah. that out if you're interested. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, a sole repository of mm-hmm. uh, the origins of the game. Highly recommended. Although lots of nonsense in there. Yeah, I, I, I found that out in, you know, some of my, you know, my collection as far as, you know, picking up certain of the older magazines and looking at them or, you know, finding them uh, in a rarity if someone was kind enough to, you know, scan these old uh, historical documents and whatnot. And yeah, there, there, there is a lot of, you know, granted, there's a lot of insight into how games used to be. There's some really good discussions that could be had today. But there's also a lot of just kind of like, you know, fluff and nonsense and just like, you know, good yeah. Lord. And Trash just, talking. Yeah. Yeah. It's a and, lot of back and forth. And it was yeah, set up yeah. in a way that the, the the letters would respond to each other from mm-hmm. issue to issue, month to month. So it, when you read it, you're you're following this elongated argument. It's like watching a train crash in slow motion. It's great fun. It's soap operas in the 70s. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> or it's really like social media forums, but in, in really slow motion. That's really cool. I mean, to me, that eight and a half by 11 manual zine <laughs> is large format, but a classic zine to me. It's sure. it's community content. It's <laughs> mimeographed. It's it's homemade. It's truly it's aesthetic is DIY. Right. That's and what judge to, to Keith. That's what defines a zine. Yeah. Judges Guild felt the same way. I mean, they had. <laughs> Well, I mean, the the Dragon Magazine or the uh, Strategic Review, its predecessor, right. were essentially the house organs of TSR. Just yep. not that they existed solely to promote their items, but spoiler alert, that was a big part of it. But right. the Judges Guild Journal was mm-hmm. one of their zines and uh, the yeah. Dungeoneer. 
Yeah. And then later Pegasus were all wow. done on, done on, you know, newspaper print style pages, like all the early judges guild stuff, but it was really just content. It, it mm-hmm. wasn't advertising as much as, uh, the, the, the TSR magazines were like imagine mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, the, uh, the dragon. Right. And, and, and other forms like, you know, across the pond where, you know, uh, worms footnotes and, and thing, and essentially the, the, the precursor to what white dwarf would become and, and whatnot. Oh, where, yeah. Owl and weasel, I think it was called. Right. And, and there was, you know, maybe a, a little, you know, there was definitely adverts in there. The, the, these was a publication sure. to make a little bit of money to keep them rolling or support, you know, at the time that was, um, uh, you know, chaosium and whatnot. Uh, but they still had that look, you know what I mean? That, that, yeah. that, that, that like an amateur feel. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Okay. I think we're kind of, I mean, I could be wrong, but it's kind of sounds like at least from the inception, we have a relatively level definition of what we considered a zine to be or what it, what it was when it, when it came out. But if we go uh, ask six other people, they'll have six other definitions yeah. of what a zine is so but i tell you the one common thread that i i think most people will agree on is the diy the do-it-yourself aesthetic this sort of homemade i want to contribute and it's not mass marketed it's not professionally uh, glossily presented at least right. back in the day these days mm-hmm. you know the sky's the limit but yeah. i think that diy aesthetic is a cornerstone of what the zine thing is right defined Exactly. And, and, and speaking of definition, uh, you know, that's just so we're all at the same level. The one thing that we can clearly agree upon in regards to zines and what they are and how they're represented is the proper pronunciation is zine. Um, and if there, if anyone says otherwise, you know, we I mean, it's not zine. <laughs> we have an email address. You can file your complaints there. They will immediately go into the recycling bin, but by With all designs. With, I mean, with, it's, with e- it's, it's either it's either a small magazine, right, which is zine, not zine. Right. It's not magazine, or it's a fanzine. It's you don't who says fanzine. No one in the history of time ever said fanzine. No. Zine well, let, let, is, let's be is, clear. According to the Bindery uh, website, zine is a noun pronounced mm-hmm. zine, z e e n, zine. That's fine. Well, there's an academic. Like the, uh, I don't appreciate the bindery telling me what to do. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm well, they are encouraging you, but they are I'm officially you. I'm on team Zine now. I'm, okay, I'm, fine. I'm, right. But they I'm are encouraging you to do the DIY thing. So Okay. So, so, so go ahead, Keith. You know, you uh, go I was take just it. gonna Andy, I was gonna ask. So we we kind of gotta look at what like in a definition of what a 70s zine looks like. How does it evolve uh 70s into the 80s and through time to where we are today these are some british zines from the uh 80s we've got here abyss thunderstruck and dragon lords and uh you know these are all the digest size but these are are clearly what we're talking about that kind of xerox copied you know type it up on you know your parents typewriter and, Mm -hmm. and hand it out but i think uh in the 80s pretty much the same thing but in Mm -hmm. the 90s you know all of a sudden microsoft word became ubiquitous and then the desktop the desktop publishing boom began and uh some of the worst layouts in history were (laughs) oh my god yes that is so true hey come on clip art you know was well who am i kidding clip art sucked um Scott, go back oh, under your clip art rock. But, but if that, we talk okay. about eight eighties zines, we got to talk about tortured souls. Okay, right here. So, 
Yes, let's let's do because you you you've brought it up and it's been brought up by other people who you know Pookie as such who is is oh. definitely a collector of of those magazines. It's but awesome. I, for for those of us who aren't familiar, what is Tortured Souls? Um, it's, it's basically a magazine from the UK uh, mm-hmm. by a company called uh, Beast Entertainment, or they call themselves Beast Ents, and uh, they mm-hmm. published twelve issues of Tortured Souls with an exclamation point at the end. Right, and it's what it really is are scenarios for AD and D, but they're done in this kind of pulpy ad hoc way, right. and it has a slightly higher production value. It's kind of mm-hmm. like between like judges guild and tsr of the era and i think it's right. mid mid to late 80s like 84 to 88 or something like that and mm-hmm. then it's it segued into other different companies and periodicals after that but there's just something so metal and trashy and cheesy <laughs> and gonzo about it kind of like the arduin stuff was in nice. the late 70s and uh, i just have a personal uh, place in my heart for it oh that's i mean that covers badass, badass. Yeah, I've, yeah, I've seen some of the other covers too. They're all any one of them excellent. could be a you know a metal an '80s metal album cover. I mean, it's uh you know it's like Lamentations of the Flame Princess before right. Lamentations. You know? Right. So that that brings us to a question then, uh, if if you know the answer to it, Keith and I were talking earlier before you popped on, and at least for us, uh, you know, when we were gaming in the '90s, even even with the you know with the explosion of you know word processing and, and home publishing and whatnot. For the life of us, neither one of us could think of, unless it's something just local to an area, just between friends or small group, of some zines that existed because you know we were in the shadow of the all-powerful TSR at the time, right. and the only magazines that at least I would be familiar with would be like, you know, Dragon or Dungeon or um, you know White Dwarf, that kind of thing. So, was was do you have any reference for for that period that some that might be around? I don't off the top of my head. I, I possess some mm-hmm. small digest size zines that were made in the nineties. I didn't right. pull them and I don't remember the titles off the top of my head, yeah. but they have this, uh, you know, dot matrix aesthetic to them. That is Aww. at once endearing and awful, incredible and loathsome. Yeah. And, uh, and the truth is, you know, I was on the road all of the nineties. So I just right. wasn't around for that there. I saw plenty of uh, rock and roll zines on the road, but mm-hmm. I was playing tons of D&D on the tour bus, but I was not collecting right. zines in the 90s. I would imagine probably a big, large amount of them probably would have fallen into like a um, Vampire the Masquerade, you know, with that surgence sure. of that fan base. That, that just that would be like the perfect environment for, you know, a small group to get together and make a lot of these fan scenes. If the possibility of not being sued out of existence wasn't there, but it probably <laughs> was. Um, but yeah, that's. That, that's that's kind of an, an, an interesting period because it's it's um yeah it just kind of seems to fall off a little bit or at least it wasn't as prevalent as it was you know yeah see, I don't what didn't exist I don't recall anything but again you know the early well mid mid nineties I was off in boot camp and playing airmen mm-hmm. I had a moderate break in the in the whole gaming scene and I got back into it in the mid 90s after after getting situated at my first duty station all that and it was it was AD&D and nothing but AD&D cuz right you know here in South Carolina where I was at the time god knows I'm still here you couldn't find all the other stuff it was it was hard to find anything else yeah. let alone a zine of any kind 
Um, well, I'm sure it existed, man. I think we we were just busy becoming professionals. Life? Yeah, life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there are probably people watching this now, like, oh, my favorite zines were in the '90s, and you guys yeah. don't know what you're talking about. And they're right. Um, right. We could probably do a two-hour show on zines from the '90s. We just right. don't know any of them. Right. right. Because exactly. we came back to it, and now we're in the you know the golden age or of uh, we're we're in the deep weeds of OSR, which is so zinerific. Right. That uh, somehow the the '90s seemed like a distant past, right? So you you were you're very gracious to to pull a bunch of your stuff from your collection. Is there anything else that you want to highlight? Because I know some because we're going to be putting this up on video. And and as for me, I love seeing this this kind of sure. stuff. And in, in my immediate knee jerk reaction when I even see someone post it is. I'm online looking for something, you know, sure. whether whether to pick it up or just to oh, find, I want to find, find tortured some souls now. <laughs> oh, good oh luck. yeah, good luck, good <laughs> luck trying issue number twelve. I have all but twelve. Um, but look, Scott, yeah. I I could I occupy your time for four hours with the answer I, to that question. Just like well, a couple, I'll, yeah. I will show I'll show you a couple few snazzy things, and then if you want sort of more specific examples of something else, you can ask me sure. a pointed question. I'll give you an example. Perfect, so, perfect. So what this this neat pile? I think there was a surge in the late eighty, late seventies and early eighties of. Mm -hmm. um, I think people thought that there needed to be more magic spells in the games. So oh. everybody and their mom sort of published uh, a oh, digest wow. size spell book. This is the, uh, I guess, the Tome of Mighty Magic. Yes. It's by North Pole Publications. Mm -hmm. These are the types of things you can send away for, you know, from the back of uh, the Dragon Magazine or White Dwarf. Wizard's Aid. The little corner thing. ads that, you See, know, Wizard's Aid yeah. looks like, you know, I just created that at my dad's work in 1983 oh, yeah. this is, kind this of thing. This is 1977. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, See, even earlier. This is kind of like a spell duel style game. Nice. Uh, the dra uh Dragon Tree Press had their book of spells. Uh -huh. There was a book of demons. I, I, I've seen that one. Um, authentic cool. thaumaturgy. You know, it, people were getting mm -hmm. deep into this kind of thing, trying to yeah. sort of merge real world magic and Wiccan practice with D and D in like the cool, <laughs> you know, Necronomicon style. Free satanic panic. Exactly. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> that contributed to it. Necronomicon. Here is the Necronomicon by the aforementioned Errol Erd Otis, which is basically a, a book of spells by Errol Otis and uh, I think Paul Reich the Third, and uh, he had his monster and treasure book called The Booty and the Beasts as well. <laughs> and you know, that's classic. Safe for work, you know. And this is sort of early Errol Otis, like late seventies, seventy seven, yeah. seventy eight, seventy nine, and. They're pretty collectible, wild to look through, very inspirational. If if I haven't prepped for a game, I could just pull one of these off the shelf, oh, yeah. open to any page, and either an image or a phrase or a concept mm -hmm. will inspire me, and I could milk that into a four-hour game. You know, nice. So that's really what zines are for me. They are mm -hmm. sources of inspiration that are a little off the beaten path. They're getting into the mind of somebody's idea of what's cool in role-playing games. And right. I get sick of my own mind. I want to reach into somebody else's mind and learn. And, and these, this is the coolest way to, to get a glimpse into yeah. that, uh, into their, their, their world. So those are awesome. <laughs> 
we hit the nineties and granted, you know, obviously, like you said, there's probably a ton of zines we're just not aware of, but at a certain point, you know, this, this DIY aesthetic starts to grow a little bit, I think, uh, as we're kind of getting through the history a bit, would this, would this lead us into what essentially would become the OSR or was it the OSR that led to this zine DIY aesthetic kind of where we're getting almost to today? I mean, one hand scratches the other, right. I, and, and everyone's going to have a different opinion on that. First of all, no one can agree on what the OSR is, let alone no. when it started. But uh, <laughs> I mean, look, uh, yeah. to answer your question in a, in a zine context, here are yeah. some of the more important and early zines of the OSR. So okay. this is Fight On magazine. Okay. Oh, yeah. I remember Fight On. And, uh, you know, some of the more prominent OSR authors and publishers sort of, you know, not that they got their start doing this, but this is one of the more prominent outlets for it. There were numerous mm-hmm. other outlets, including I think it's called AFS is one of the earlier quote unquote OSR zines, which I should pull some. They had a, a neat sort of plastic spiral binding. This is Knoxbell. Oh, yeah. Um, so swords and wizardry focus. But I mean, look, ODD mm-hmm. and VX or Holmes basic. And and then uh, speaking of the UK, uh, Oubliette. Yes. Uh, so you know and there are tons more but these are sort of some of the prominent titles also you'll notice eight and a half by 11 format right it's just gonna Uh, say that and these are you know uh prominent early osr print zines and and a lot Mm -hmm. of these are print on demand and they are pulled from what we call i guess the blogosphere you know Mm -hmm. basically gamers of our age or thereabouts who've been gaming since either the late 70s or early 80s who now have either disposable income and time or both and are talking about it on the internet because blogs are a thing now. Right. That sort of, I don't know anything don't know. about that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so what we all do all day, you know, yeah. every day, you know, uh, James Malinowski or however you pronounce his name, Grognardio, right. sort of one of these really yes. important blogs. And, and you know, um, this stew uh, launched a million zines. So I got three. I'm going to just throw up on this on the screen. These are all modern era stuff, but okay. so like it's uh, old school and cool and OSR oh, Z. Yeah. Yeah. So right, this is number two. Currently, number three, I think, is on Kickstarter, but this is number two. Mm-hmm. Um, it obviously is beyond the DIY, right? Because mm-hmm. it's published by a publishing company, but not unlike some of those other things you've you've showcased already. I mean, it's the publishing company is probably like one dude and it's two dudes. Yeah, it's like two that. dudes. Um, yeah. But it does have this simple aesthetic that is very reminiscent of like old school zines, right? Mm-hmm. And it's it's for OSE for old school essentials, so it's it's playing up to that old school thing. But then yeah. I've got something like this uh, for Ooh. camera purposes: uh, Low, Low Country, Country Crawl. Crawl. This oh, is done yeah. by a local or uh, local uh, little publishing company down here in Charleston. His name's David Sherdawan. He owns the company and he put this thing together. And I think they just put out a new updated version of this. This is the original version one. I think it's on 1.5 now. I mean, this is some fantastic stuff. But again, it's, you can, it's not DIY per se, and it's not desktop publishing anymore. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of professionally done. Um, yeah. And then I have this, and this doesn't qualify as a zine. It doesn't label itself as a zine, which is Girl Underground. Oh, yeah. Which is Alice in Wonderland themed game powered by the apocalypse. 
engine and it says it's a role-playing game so it's not i mean it's a game in a zine format versus supplemental things to add to your to an existing game it it is a game unto itself so is this classified as a zine i mean it has that diy aesthetic yeah i think we're back to arduin right is it a game or is it a zine or is it a supplement right it's yes is the answer yeah i know right there there is no right or wrong answer but so well, I, I'm going to go ahead and then, then share share something here. Um, yeah, and so, so we're 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 talking about a little bit like you know what is a zine and kind of what what you know exemplifies it to a certain degree. And it's more going to be me sharing both what I have here and a person himself. And that's going to be Tim Shorts. Yes, I think. Oh my God. I think Godfrey's if somebody, manner. I think if somebody kind of really exemplifies the kind of what is the base definition of what a zine is, and it's it's Tim. And I mean, and Tim, it's, it's, here's some NPCs. You may, he may do one month. Here's a little tiny leaflet of, of an adventure. Um, here is, you know, a, a supplement to something else. And, and he's producing these things, you know, uh, pretty much every other month. You never know what you're going to get. It's just whatever floats his boat, but, but he's consistent. And, but between this and what he's doing, uh, you know, online supporting other people with, you know, with the scene group on Facebook and, and, and wherever else, I, I think with all of the, you know, with, when you saying, Hey, this is scene like, and, or this is, this is technically a scene, but it's well-produced and it's glossy. Uh, just Tim really kind of has just really produces this DUI thing. It doesn't really stray from it much. Even the one thing he kickstarted, you know, you when you fi- just said DUI, uh, DUI. Well, yeah. So I'm not <laughs> wait, drinking. Wait, wait. Scott, yeah, Scott, are you drinking again? What, what's no, up, buddy? No, no. DIY. Yeah, DIY. <laughs> that's a different subject. But yeah, the, the DIY. <laughs> even even the one thing that he he kind of kickstarted and finally finally came through after this whole COVID thing still has that kind of that that you know I made this. I just printed this and yeah. shipped it in 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 an envelope yesterday. Well, yeah, he um, does so, it. He does it all yeah. himself. He mm-hmm. staples it himself and he mails it himself. That is, he is true DIY. And for the record, he does have an actual zine called The Manor. See, yeah. that's the one I'm familiar with. Yeah. yeah. And then he's got his Patreon, which, you know, right. like you were saying, like he yeah. produces these tiny little module. He tries everything. He, yeah. I love Tim Shorts. I love Gothridge Manor and I love what he does. He yeah. runs the gamut. I'm so glad you brought that up, Scott. Yeah. I was going to highlight him too. Yeah, See, no, I want to. I want to highlight Ryan Thompson though. While we're yeah. while we're highlighting yeah. some classics, as I cover, bring up out Ryan. Yeah. yeah, so Ryan does these um, uh, modules. I, they're not even modules. I mean, some are modules. Some are uh, a hodgepodge collection of spells or character classes, options, all kinds of neat little things for old school essentials or any OSR game for that matter. Mm-hmm. Some are specifically a module. Uh, like the hidden hand of the Horla, which I know he just recently kickstarted. Scott, you did that one, right? Yep. Yeah. So I have the I have the original orange limited orange cover, like the first run of this stuff. And these <laughs> truly have this DIY vibe. Right. Um, I know they were printed by Mixum or something something like that, one of those companies, but but through and through they just kind of exude this classic look and feel. It's got this non-shiny it's a matte natural finished like cardstock cover with black art and say planner compass which i love but it is that's a little over the top in terms of production value that's just a different thing yeah Yeah. right right not that it's bad i love it i love both of these Mm -hmm. but ryan does some really good stuff right 
Agreed. So then that, that kind of rolls into the modern day thing. So, you know, here we have companies like, you know, uh, Goodman Games, who's supporting people who are creating scenes. We have Tim Shorts, who's creating stuff. We have uh, James, oh God, James Malisetsky. Shit. Uh, Anyways, Grognardia, you know, producing things like, you know, excellent traveling volume for um, for Tecamel. And then, but then, and this is a recent thing, but then we start kind of rolling into a, a group of people going, well, hey, you know, you're, we're supporting each other kind of haphazardly in a various of outlets, you know, through you know, what would previously be, you know, Google Plus, but other social media and whatnot. What if we kind of, when Google Plus died, you know, and a lot of the, lot of the interconnectivity and the communication just, just fell apart, what can we do to support other people and just bring these creations to light, however minimal they may be? And then we have, you know, what, what would roll into, you know, the beginnings of Zine Quest. Sure. And then, then that just kind of seemed to open up the floodgates of, you know, where we're at today of just, you know, these, these zines just kind of, you know, what was just maybe a few people just kind of going, Hey, here's my little homemade thing exploded into, you know, I wouldn't say it would be like into like the aspects of, Hey, this is like a really serious, you know, corporate excursion to a degree, but there's people who you know, rolling into this next scene quest, this is their bread and butter. This is what have they been creating and saving up for to essentially, you know, I'm going to produce something and this is going to take care of some financial needs and whatnot. And then, well, it put a a very public spotlight on an otherwise Mm -hmm. underground do-it-yourself movement, right? right? Because at the time, Kickstarter was very uh, prominent in the Mm -hmm. RPG industry. I think this was, as it was peaking, it still is quite prominent, obviously. And sure. uh, yeah, and one of the executives over there, Luke Crane, invented mm-hmm. Zine Quest. I think that was mm-hmm. 2018. Yep. And man, I think it, it it even caught them off guard how many people were interested. And of course, all the five E people who were may, you know maybe publishing blogs mm-hmm. said, "Wow, I think I could do a folded, sa- stapled, saddle stitched thing." You know, and here's my opportunity for it. And Zine Quest gave it a platform and a spotlight. And how cool was that? Right fantastic and and then but with it came expectations of like yeah. you know this quality, this quality expectations <laughs> yes well, it was kind of an arms race right it was like who can make the coolest <laughs> thing right right who can so, so, who can one upmanship the next the next team yeah, working right. on one or who so, can make the crappiest right who can make the most derelict looking thing and everything in between i like, guess so everyone has their different version of what's cool and yeah. sidequest ran that gamut right yeah yeah the, the, but then became the confusion of like you know when you when you paid 15 bucks for it and it looked like someone had folded it haphazardly you're like which which wouldn't have been a problem years ago because that's the zine it never folded correctly when you try to fold the, the printer paper together but but now it's like hey, i show man. you exhibit a hypergraphia oh, yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, it, is. it does yeah. not fold properly. This is truly yeah. a DIY. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> push it together. Um, and that's 2019. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So me personally, I I really love where it's gone. Uh, you know, the platform that ZineQuest provides for a lot of people who otherwise would have fallen into the black hole of even Kickstarter um, or or you know itch.io or something. Uh, just lost in 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 the in the noise in the vacuum. At least they get somewhat of a bit of a, a an uplift, uh, yeah. you know, and support from this. And kind of like you said earlier, Andy, it's it's at least for me, it's it's one of those where I've got this little section on my shelf where 
you know, and granted I, I self-confessed of like, there's tons up there that I, you know, wow, this looks neat. And boom, on the shelf, it went sure. that, you know, but I can still pull down, open this up and go, wow, this is inspirational towards anything. It doesn't have to yeah. be, you know, genre specific, but yeah, it's, it's, it's something that we all, you know, love to support in one, one shape or another, but it's, it, it is growing and yeah. growing and, and becoming uh, less definable as you know what constitutes you know what is the scene now is is is, sure. is this scene this this kind of haphazardly made you know folded together thing stapled and sent out or is it this beautiful glossy thing that someone's been working on for a year and you know there's yeah they're, they're, see they're that's just- that's where keith has a problem with this whole zine conversation so let me throw let me throw my elephant out there to trample on you guys and then you can kick it in the nuts and bring, it on its way yeah um, bring out your elephant Keith. all right so my elephant is so i said i love planner compass i know what their plans are over the years because i've i've written reviews about these two uh issue one issue two mm-hmm. and i know issue three is on kickstarter right now and i know they have a long production future but to me these things and several other zines that i've gotten recently to review uh what's it called uh brew castle is one for old school essentials. I mean, that thing has a squared, it's settle stitch, but it has a squared off cover. It's that mm-hmm. thick. It's 65, 68 pages, something like that. But these things, to me, these zines are starting to turn into what would Books. be better produced as a book. Mm-hmm. Here's my issue with the whole modern zine scene. Okay. But at like, you know, 15 bucks a book, by the time this run is done, there's probably going to be about 12 of these things. It'd be... Right. Uh, for the consumer, if you love collecting zines, like I know Andy does, right? And we we all kind of do to some extent. These are fun to collect and read and use and do that kind of thing. But I would, as a just as a strictly as a consumer, I'd rather buy this as a damn printed book, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Collected, put to time, effort, money, and resources into to developing this in its full capacity at one go, and let's do this. I mean, well, look, that, Keith, that's the consumer honest. in me that's what these publishers are working towards. They're getting their ideas out piecemeal in smaller formats while they are one writing the material two getting experience with layout and production techniques and three building a fan base. And then when they have all those three in hand, they're going to publish it in a book format, either in a compilation of the zines or in a completely full new layout with additional material. We right. have countless examples of this. Oh yeah. I mean, look at look at knock, right? Or um Oubliette. I mean, you can buy the DIY collected version of like volumes one to four, volumes one to eight. Fight on sure. is the same way too. Yeah, but back to basics did the same thing. Yep. Uh, certainly, uh, crawling under a broken moon for DCC. Oh yeah, Gong Farmer's Almanac are, are perfect examples of those things. Right. Oh, yeah. um, but Gong yeah. Farmers is a perfect example of a community built DIY esque because um, it's really it's kind of this digital thing that you can do POD. Um, and then you can get the collected version. Gong Farmers. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. true. Um, that, that's an incredible uh, phenomena. The, the right. Gong Farmers are—it's basically crowdsourcing in zine format, and then, like you just said, you can buy them in individual portions, or you can get the comp- uh, compiled right. zine collection on Lulu, which is mm-hmm. just a, such a cool resource. What an incredible project and affordable 
I mean, yeah. I mean, we're not, you know, we're not talking a $60 book and it's, you know, sometimes it seems like it should be, but I mean, the what were they, like 30 bucks for a hardcover, the collected version. Uh, yeah, that's that's the fancy one. I think you can get soft covers for like, I don't know, I don't want to speak out of class, but much yeah. cheaper than that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so and th- that's another part of the definition I think we ignored. It's got to be cheap or or cl- as close to free as humanly possible, right? Right. Uh, n- and Keith, this speaks to your sort of maybe gripe with the emerging scene is that maybe we're we're straying away from that. Let's keep it as close to a buck or five bucks or ten bucks. Uh, and we're we're starting to get fancy, right? right. We're starting yeah. to charge twelve, fifteen, eighteen, twenty dollars for these zines. At what point does it go from being a zine to being a, a book? book? A book, right? Yeah. So, yeah. and I keep holding up Planner Compass because <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna <laughs> send you a strongly worded <laughs> email. I guarantee you. I, no, but I'm <laughs> That's not. That's a great zine. It is. <laughs> it's fantastic. I other than I didn't like the layout of this one, the content is hands down <laughs> fantastic, though. Just read my review. Um, your, po- your point is well taken. In other words, they're, they're getting they're getting very elaborate yes. and ornate with their layout right. and presentation, right. which and is to some a feature, not a bug, but maybe to to young Keith, it's a bug. Yeah, and uh, yeah, at least it's an elephant. Well, you're, it, you're to me, getting, it's my elephant. So just keep kicking it in the nuts. All right. Well, you're getting in that territory when you're dealing with music. Is like, oh my god, they're selling out. You know, this, this right. scene that I've supported for so long and that I just love, they're now, they're now part of the man, man, they, you know, they're, they're yeah. high gloss, they're, they're, um, you know, they're, they're now charging I will, 20 I will bucks have for to it. say though, the planner compass team, which is, um, oh my God, Dan Wilson, if I remember right. And his wife, mm-hmm. um, they aren't selling out to the man, man, no. this is the sixties, but yeah. you know, they are, they have a vision for where this is going to go. And I like their vision. I mm-hmm. like the content that they're writing or curating and cultivating with other right. writers. But, but where does should it they go? be writing? Go ahead, Sarki. I was going to say, just where does it go from being a zine in, in a more uh, classic sense, right? Like Andy said, like inexpensive to being a book or a booklet. Should they be should they be writing the zine quest wave, you know, in, in that regards, um, you know, that's that's that's, you know, this zine quest is, you know, has a typical foundation of what what they're trying to promote. And at what point is someone just using it to continue to promote something that has grown beyond the definition of that and not saying they're doing that, but you can see tendencies of that in this and also and, 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 other, and other things. So when, when does someone move on and say, well, you should be kickstarting your own stuff and self-promoting this. And, you know, right. Where does, where does that original zine publisher go from being like a bootstrap kind of operation to being a production company, a publishing company? The, the answer is when they mm-hmm. have enough people who are going to buy right. their stuff that it no longer warrants, you know, cool. an eight page zine, you know, it, right. maybe they can up the production value because they have more of a budget. That's really right. the answer. Sure. Let me give you some examples okay. of some things that fall right into this wheelhouse. I think we all know that one of the OSR darlings is Hot Springs Island. I think yes. it won any's it's lauded for its production value. It's and I still don't book. own it. Well, it sucks for you. I know um, it does. <laughs> Hot Springs Island uh, started as a series of zines. I'll show you one here. It's called Toxic Elven Smut. Nice. This has got some fancy sort of foil on it. I don't know if it comes across on Zoom. They Mm -hmm. did another one for the Nidax zine, which I think for some reason. I have all that in digital. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the the point is, 
uh, you know, they went from just a plain toxic elven smut to a fancy one. And yeah. I think they generated a fan base sort of grassroots style G plus and all the rest in social media. And then eventually when they felt confident with the layout and they got enough material, they compiled it into this incredible faux leather embossed hot springs Island book, which right. won all the awards and sold out multiple printings and yada, yada, yada. Same case could be made. I mean, the quintessential one for the OSR is Lamentations of the Flame Princess, which started as a freaking heavy metal fancy, right, by James Raggi, and right. then, which was called Lamentations of the Flame Princess and then became a game, which he started in all zine form before the box sets. Uh, I remember create, the Grindhouse edition. Yeah, well, there, you know, there's six or seven years before that led up to that, yeah. and it yeah. was all stuff like this. That's a perfect ex example of what you're talking about. When does it go from being a zine into becoming a game or a book or, or a box set in that case? Yeah. Uh, right. Hyperborea, which we play every Saturday night, Scott, mm -hmm. started as in, in zine format as well. Um, so just because I don't know the total history of Ash. Well, let me grab it. I, I did own at one time the original box set. box set, which had the spiral bound books. Yeah, yeah. So you're talking about this bad boy right here. Yes, the one yes. But, you know, Telanian also produced stuff for Osric in zine okay. form. Okay. And uh, some of his earlier uh, dungeon scenarios were in zine form as well. <laughs> Rats for in the walls, yeah. Yeah. And so here's uh, here's another format. I, I don't know. I think this is maybe wow. a seven I, format. I can't remember the, the name of it. I picked up a copy of that. He was, he was offering it when he was kind of doing a clearing out uh, recently. And... It's it's the so yeah I was I wasn't aware that that was something that was a predecessor to it I thought it was just like let's make a zine for, to coincide with the game so that's cool and I don't even know if they're actually zines they're really just modules right but they're in right. digest form but uh, yeah. but for instance uh, so Luke Crane who's the creator of or he named Zine Quest and was the executive at Kickstarter when Zine Quest was launched mm -hmm. he published his Miseries and Misfortunes which is a BX sort of interpretation of uh, uh, France in uh, 1633 in Paris and sort of dueling, uh, societal and pistol dueling in uh, historic France. Uh, and so it's set in a very unique format here. Mm -hmm. So this is, but it's also as DIY as you can get. It's right. uh, it, it looks old school. It has an old school aesthetic. It uses Oh, I thought you pulled out like a weird shaped Baron Munchausen, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> Point B, and, you know, and, and then this emerged into uh, an actual book later on, which he published, you know, under his, right. uh, his publishing company. Right. The point is, there's an evolution to all these things. Sure. And sometimes they just start and, and peter out. Sometimes they blossom into full blown publishing companies. One other brief example is Paolo Greco at Lost Pages, who produces the Chthonic Codex box set. Yeah, he produced these really cool zines early on, um, where you know I I don't know if he if he did them himself, but they have a very DIY aesthetic, and, and yeah. now he's a you know legitimate OSR publisher. Right. God, so you there's hear so that? many things I, yeah. I I I I need to learn about zines. Well, there's besides my elephant. We got together. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Besides my elephant, who is now neutered. <laughs> um, but that's okay, because Keith's learning. It's cool. Yeah. But like I said, I mean, we could ask six people, six other people from around the world, and everybody would have their own definition mm -hmm. of a zine. What makes a zine? What What is a zine? What is a booklet? What's a book? Mm -hmm. 
So I think it's going to be one of those, we can all agree to disagree on what a zine is. I think the three of us kind of have this overarching idea of what we accept as a, a general definition of a zine, but obviously mm-hmm. everybody has their own opinion. So that's right. cool. And if, and if they defer a certain bit, it doesn't really get under our craw. Uh, unless right. they pronounce it sign. If Zine, that's yeah. the if, yeah other yeah that's right you're, out yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> nice oh well played um, sir so just kind of we're you know we're we're running we're getting close to the the one hour yeah. marker believe it or not you know and and as and, as Andy fast. said and we firmly believe we could turn this into a four hour podcast if we had the time very Let's easily I, uh, well hold on but, I want I do want to show my favorite zine. Okay. It has, I'm not going to show it quite yet, but it has this very DIY aesthetic. It's very kind of artsy fartsy, uh, which is uh, kind of a hallmark of zines, right? Kind of custom art and hand done stuff. Is that what you were working on the other day when you bought that box of crowns? It was. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Totally was. It's hanging up my office now. I just want to show this. Is this a zine or a book? Mork Borg? That's a book. Or, or I, I'm not going to butcher it and Mer- try to that's pronounce a game. it. Mer- that's Mer- a game. So, yes, it is a game. Lock, stock, and barrel, it's a game. But it came from what would be considered a yeah. scene, much yeah, like Mothership so. did. So. Right. Sure. But this has a lot of the hallmarks. Okay. Although it's production values over the top, but it has a lot of the hallmarks of a zine. It's, it's kind of this art punky hodgepodge collection of things like art styles anyways, because mm-hmm. this thing is glaringly uh, bright. It's just like over the top which totally metal i mean yeah does it let me show you an actual metal scene (laughs) nice (laughs) well then there's death machine (laughs) (laughs) yeah and you know and and, uh you know we got to give a shout out to mystic punks i mean these guys rule the school uh, but yeah, I, I think Keith, that is firmly not a zine. That yeah. that that game for sure. It may have evolved from zine culture and takes mm-hmm. a lot of sure. aesthetics from it. But that is a that is a that is well. That's why I brought it up because I, I right. Keith does not think this Morkborg is a sure. zine. I mean, it's it's clearly a hardcover book. It's it's uh, you know it's by a yeah. a publishing company and then distributed through Free, uh, Free Legion. I mean, this is truly a book. But it does have some of the aesthetic of absolutely uh, that yeah. it takes from like the zine culture. Oh yeah, or the zine scene or the zine scene. Oh, shame on you! And, oh. and Scott, before before you wrap this, I got to uh-huh. do a couple of honor honorable mentions. Uh, okay, from, uh, please do. Melsonian oh, the Arts Undercroft. Council, the Undercroft yes. Zine, Daniel Sell and Company. They publish Troika now. Mm-hmm. Incredible zine, mm-hmm. uh, vacant ritual assembly which is done by red moon medicine show a really incredible and inspirational zine and i've heard nothing but good stuff about that i don't own any of those but yeah it's hard they're hard to get in print but just get the just the pds for inspiration i think we gotta say gavin norman's dolmanwood which has been actually published as wormskin zine and and unfortunately they're all print on demand but the content alone and obviously it's going to get kickstarted into a Mm -hmm. ginormous awesome book but what an incredible scene so scott (laughs) yeah we're coming on an hour here bring um so i was just wanted to touch on a couple couple subjects here before we kind of like you know wrap it up um you, you you wanted to mention, you know, I, I would assume this might have to do with like the publishing aspects, but you, you did wanted to touch base on on Lulu and and Lulu yeah. is is definitely an important part of this conversation, I think. So sure. what was it that well, you that you kind of wanted to, to discuss? Yeah, I mean, about well, to, to Keith to Keith's point, like when does it 
become a book and not a zine and when it when are you doing it yourself versus farming it out so lulu right. is print on demand company i think it's the most sort of the most popular it's one of many um right. but if, so if you generate content and lay it out and then just upload it to a company like lulu and then they ship one copy to each person who buys it is that the same as making your own zine i say yes some people would say no right. um and certainly you know when you hire a, a printing company to to print your zine, you're no longer doing it yourself, but you mm -hmm. created all the content and the layout, but right. then it does blur that line between zine and book. And we, you know, so it lives firmly in the gray area, but Lulu's a part of that conversation. I'm not pro or con, but I mean, the, the, the earlier stuff that I showed you, Fight On and Knoxbell, those were all print on demand via Lulu. And they're oh, yeah. definitely considered to be zines. So go figure. I thought my Mork Morg was a, was a good, good piece. <laughs> I, it was perfect. It was perfect. It's sort of the, it's sort of the, uh, the natural evolution. I yeah. Mean, it, yeah. It's the state of the art in role-playing game design right now or indie RPG yeah. publishing. That, that art, that kind of art house kind of flair that you know, art people kind of yeah. art punk kind of well, thing. I, I guess that's the thing. I mean, I mean, look like burning wheel headquarters, one of the premier mm -hmm. publishing companies in indie role-playing games also makes zines. Yeah. Morkborg started from zines, Lamentations started from zines, a yep. bunch of these uh, companies, and, and they will probably continue to create more zines. The, the company that publishes Hot Springs Island still publishes handmade zines that I know for a fact uh, mm -hmm. the guy puts in the mail himself by hand. So right. it's both, and it's yeah. that gray area that is uh, what we love. Well, Morkborg, yeah, uh, just to carry that on for just a second mork borg mm -hmm. itself has spawned with their oh. third-party license oh, a ton of zines especially um i know we're not gonna get too deep into it but like this this year's zine month right mm -hmm. zemo or whatever they're calling it yeah. that's february and into into march there yep. is a ton has been or continues to be or will be more a ton of mork borg stuff this year right yeah um a same with OSE, OSE and Mothership, same. In other words, just putting that brand on your zine makes it, I don't know, let's be honest, it advertises it to a, a much wider audience than you than most publishers oh. or people could attract on their own, right? Without oh, yeah. a doubt. You, you see that Mothership logo, you see that Mork Borg, well, it's yellow, so you know it's Mork Borg. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you, you see that that DCC RPG logo OSE, in the corner. Yep. And, and OSC, you immediately, it draws, you're, you're going to look at it more so than maybe some of the other ones. So that, yeah, that goes without saying. I just thought the That's, aesthetic, uh, the layout of, of Mork Borg was always like, if, if, the, if the 80s band Striper was crushed <laughs> under a boot, that's what Morkborg would and be. And then had right? children. Yeah. Just the splattered remains of a squashed striper. I mean, the actual humans in striper. They're that, dead. That's where the bright neon corpses. pink comes yeah. from. Okay. Yes. Okay, okay yellow, listeners. Yellow. Yeah, yellow. Okay, <laughs> listeners, you've, you've heard it here. I want someone to now make an official Morkborg striper yeah. themed adventure. Please. Squished like a bee. Right All right. That, you know what? That's it. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to produce. Titter Pigs is going to create it. Oh God! We're gonna hand publish it, and Andy's gonna distribute it for us. There we go. Ready Perfect. For it. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll be ready to be sued by Striper because I'm sure they're still around. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm ready to have the cases of unpurchased scenes languish in my warehouse for decades. Excellent. There'll be a collector's <laughs> item someday. Never. Um, awesome. 
so, so I know. Do you want to talk about Zemo at all? Well, yeah. Yes. So I was mm-hmm. going to kind of roll it into. So you know, so we currently there's we're as we're recording this, it's 16th of February, 2022, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Zemo Zine Month is firmly running, and will run in in through March as well. Yes. Uh, that being said, there was no Zine Quest this year. This time of year, it's been punted down the road to August. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the dismay of many uh, little indie publishers that do the zine, the zine yes. scene thing. So hence why it became zine month and not zine quest till later in the year. Uh, so I, I don't think we can talk about zines without at least kind of sure. talking about zine month and zine, zine quest's current uh, upcoming iteration, at least at a right. high level. Yeah. Well, it, it's, it's, a, it's an astonishingly strange decision, I think, by Kickstarter to not do yeah. Zine Quest uh, at the same time that they always have, which is, I think, winter, like December or something like that, uh, so that your product could be ready for all the summertime conventions, namely Gen Con, right? Right. You'd be able to create it, uh, fund it, print it, uh, publish it, and then receive it in time for convention season. That's gone. So the genius solution is that the community has rallied to invent Zine Month, a DIY concept yeah. to make zines in time for convention season. Right. All on Absolutely grassroots. Exactly. Yeah. Grassroots yeah. to the core, kind of reclaiming as it should mm-hmm. zines from Kickstarter, the big, you know, billion dollar mega corporation. So I say thumbs up Zine Month. Obviously, that's a grassroots thing. Totally cool. I support those folks that are grabbing the reins and pulling them back and reclaiming kind of the ownership of their stuff. Not that Kickstarter had any ownership, but just just reclaiming it as a grassroots tradition, right? Being Zine Quest was running it. I think it was every February it would run. And that's why a lot of these publishers had, had things in the production queue that were ready to go for February and into early March. And then they're like, well, we're Zine Quest 4, and then it, right. late notification, hey, we're not going to do it. We're going to move it right. to August. What's our general consensus on moving it to August? For listeners that don't necessarily know uh, the dates, uh, obviously, it's moved to the, pretty much the whole month of August will be Zine Quest 4, but the peak of it, uh, or at least the beginning days of it when everybody kind of wants to get in on it are right smack dab in Gen Con 2022. Yeah, people are busy. These these yeah. indie publishers and authors and layout folks, they're busy that time of year. They're, it's also people go on vacation in the summertime. It's just like, I don't know, maybe there's some kind of in, internal logic to it that I am not grokking, which is completely possible. Oh, um, yeah, sure. Me too. But, but I know... Uh, it doesn't make sense to me. Right. I know Scott's uh, planning to go to Gen Con. I'm still trying to get there. Some work things yeah. may prevent me. Some of our friends from England are coming. Nice. Um got this whole house rented. I mean, you know, it's going to be a big party for us and a get together, but yeah, but a lot of money's being spent to go travel expenses and Gen Con, you know, admission and all of that. So our disposable income uh, is shot, right? Potentially where we might buy and back zines during zine quest in February. We're not going to, not as likely to do it in August. You know, you're going to be drunk boosting on kickstarter uh from gen con <laughs> hotel room come or, or airbnb come on drunk backing i mean um 
Well, that's always possible. <laughs> I think that kind of happens regardless of Gen Con, to be perfectly fair. It so happens every happen. Friday night in the Mitchester Arms, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> so Gen Con ain't going to hold you back. But you're right. Yeah. Generally speaking, it doesn't really seem to make sense, the timing of the... Right, especially if you have far. folks, um, consumers coming over, say, uh, to come to it, say, from England, right? Or, or mainland Europe or mm-hmm. Australia, wherever, and they're deciding to travel. That's big dollars. I mean, Scott to to fly out there, me to drive up there. It's it's far cheaper for us and still leave some disposable income potentially. But now let's look at from the publisher side, right? The publishers that would be launching these things are in if they're doing Gen Con, they're in prime mode for Gen Con, either to promote current products, run a booth, run games, do something like a, a very haphazard decision on the part of Kickstarter to do that. I don't. May, like you said, Andy, maybe there's something we're not grokking. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm wondering if there's stuff overseas. I mean, I'm looking at UK Games Expo. That's in June. When is Ropicon? I don't even know. The point is we're thinking very America-ocentric sure. here. Like, I, right. I don't know. But, there, but there's four big game conventions, international conventions. Uh, two are in the U.S., one is in Germany, and one is in the U.K. So you have Origins in, typically in June. Gen Con in July, or excuse me, August, typically late July or early August. You have UK Expo in June, and then you have Essen Spiel, which is more board games, but it does do role-playing stuff, and that's in Germany, and that's also in the summer months. Or right. is it for, into the, no, I think it's October. It's a little further out. But those are the four really big game conventions. Yeah. There are other big ones, but these are the big ones that are trade show-esque sure. um, that publishers are going to, and they want to have that new product available to sell. You know, the U.S.'s biggest game convention is Gen Con. Hands down, there's nothing bigger, uh, especially for the role playing industry. There's nothing bigger. Uh, so you want to have that product to sell. And Zine Quest being in February, if if a publisher could get it out in time, that was perfect. Mm-hmm. Moving it to yeah. the same time as the bloody convention is kind of silly, but it's very yeah. strange to me. Yeah. 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 I mean, it almost as if Kickstarter is sort of divorcing itself from the convention scene and, you know, claiming that they exist, you know, in a universe of their own. I'm surprised that other companies like Indiegogo or GameFound haven't sort of taken the ball and run with it, but maybe we'll see that next year. I, 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 kinda, yeah, I think we will. ZineQuest is really, that important financially really to anyone except for like a very a niche of a niche of the gaming community yeah. sure yeah there, the there, bigger takeaway here <laughs> yeah so but but it's it's like like you had mentioned it's good to see that you know they did draw from that that good old you know uh diy gumptions like you know what we're not gonna let this keep this down we're gonna do this ourselves and it seems yeah. to be working out so they you know there's going to be some people who are going to like we don't need no scene quest no more and that's why we got Zemo because they don't yeah, need it no so, more. Right. Xenopalooza. <laughs> but no, hand, you know, I, I got to hand it to the folks, to the men and women and, and everybody else that is is pulling it off this month and next month to keep the, the spirit of the, the early late winter, early spring zine kind of uh, vibe going and, and producing and getting stuff out to folks. I got to hand it to them. I mean, they're that's great. They, they grabbed it by the bootstraps and they're making it happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's support them. You know, yeah. let's, let's plug them and, and purchase those things from Zenmo. Let's do it. Let, let's yeah. pretend it's Zine Quest 4, but in our mm-hmm. hearts. Yep. 
Yeah, but we know it's Zine Mo, and we're still good with that too. Yep. Well, I mean, or in, in gamer parlance, Zine Quest three point five. Oh, I was waiting for that. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, you're welcome. There we go. There we go. You're everyone's allowed one. Um, <laughs> I appreciate that, you guys cutting me some slack. That was well played, sir. Well played. So. Well, do we have anything else we want to touch touch upon before we? You we got any other goodies, Andy? You want to show? Yeah. Talk about. Don't open yeah. the floodgates. <laughs> I mean, just I don't know. I mean, just it's all laid out. I mean, there we it's, go. It's, oh my it's, god, it's and that's just what I pulled off the shelf. I mean, right. So, listeners, just, you have to much. go to it's YouTube and watch the like the spotlight on Andy's couch there because it's just like. That's I mean, like history wanted, right there. If we want to do a show that's like Andy's zines, we could do yes. that. It would be four hours long, but and I'm I, happy to drag. We're going to book that. that, that um, we'll call your oh, no, agent. I'm going to <laughs> definitely say, you know, the first person that's going to comment on this is once Pookie's done wiping his saliva off of his screen, <laughs> he's going to say, I want to see more. And I think a lot of oh, listeners yeah, are going to do the reach same. Out. So. I'll talk. Shop so Pookie, I, I, yeah, I would definitely love to, you know, hey, what what's in Andy's pile today? And then we'll just, you know, make it a thing. So and just, just highlight, <laughs> highlight, go in a little bit more detail on some of the some of the scenes you got there. So that's that's awesome. Um so I mean, I, the truth you, is I do want to show you them all, but let, let's yeah. not go down that rabbit hole. But, <laughs> no, but we'll I, like I said, no, I'm being serious about like, yeah, let's let's do this again for sure. And I mean yeah. it's just Z Z month is every month. Um it as can far be. as I'm concerned. So. It's every month at Andy's house, believe me. <laughs> Do you have anything else you want to promote or talk about, Andy, before we you know, put a bow on no. it? Or, all Play right. games, make friends, have yes. fun. Yes. Touche. Be Fantastic. kind to each other. Don't fuck and, around. Absolutely. And, you know, yeah, definitely. You know, with this, this is what it's about. You know, take all of the other nonsense with a grain of salt. You know, don't get too far down the whole Twitter hole or all the other nonsense. You know, keep focus on friends and having fun and you know, that stuff will just kind of wash right over you. So, oh, man. Amen, yeah, I, I've been so guilty of that in the past. And lately I've divorced myself from just engaging. And mm -hmm. uh, man, life is so much better in the uh, role playing game world when you do not get, you know, woven into that nonsense. Don't play with so the trolls and just have fun. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I think I think world. we need a, a like a an old kind of like you know kind of like an, an an AA type thing, but for RPG engagement anonymous kind of thing, just like you know yeah. RGA. I, I'm Scott. I haven't I haven't been taken down by a troll for thirty days. <laughs> Hi, Scott. <laughs> just take it from there. Oh, oh. all well, right, Scott. So <laughs> Hi, Scott. <laughs> no, let's. All right, so that's a that's a good good lead out for this i'm biting my tongue here yeah let's, let's wrap it up <laughs> be kind to everybody play some yeah. games get to know some new people find some new friends some new games yeah. find a new zine for god's sakes yeah and remember to kick my elephant in the nuts and keep moving i mean yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a nice elephant keith it was nice to meet your elephant yeah well yeah my yeah. elephant just needs to keep moving then <laughs> <laughs> hey, good spending time with you, friends. Andy, thank yeah, you man. so much. We really appreciate it. And and for sure. I mean, definitely you know, want you to come back on and, and doesn't have to be about seems for anything. If another thing comes up that you'd like to discuss, or just just even just hop on and chat for just, you know, whatever. This has been I'm fantastic. Here. So let me know. I mean, I run games five nights a week. So yeah. pick one of the games, one of the nights that ain't game night, and I'm your I'm your right. Uncleberry. Fantastic. Right. Love it. Well, we will definitely have you back. So Right to wrap it up, Andy, thank you very much. Appreciate your expertise um, on zines, because obviously we're not subject matter experts on this. Mm -hmm. um, 
and you get are the John Peterson on here. Get get, well, John, get the real expert on. Well, here. we're uh, we're trying like to. to work with his agent <laughs> right now. It's a little difficult. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we have not reached out to him, but we may. You should see. Thank you for bringing your expertise to the yes. conversation. Sure. Uh, very enlightening for for myself. I'm sure I speak for Scott. Rather enlightening as well. Yes, and for our listeners. So with that, well, let's bid you adieu, my friend. And oh, yeah. uh, and when when all the uh, the hate mail that says Andy got X, Y, and Z wrong comes, you know, I'm happy to. <laughs> feel that as well you just forward it to uh, andy doesn't give a fuck at, at gmail.org <laughs> all Love right it. listeners you you heard andy send the email to that email yep. address and with that we are out of here we'll catch you in the next segment Is this Titter Pigs? I got a special delivery for you. Yeah, sight right here. Shh! Keep it down. This is like the third delivery this week. <laughs> Mommy! Daddy's hiding some more books from you. Ah, sh- Hey, listeners, we are here, Scott and I, to do a little bit of a special delivery. We've both gotten a bunch of stuff in the mail as of late, so our mailbags are kind of full. We want to kind of throw it out there and let you guys hear what we got. Yep. These are th- these are stuff that uh, I recently got that, uh, and don't worry, it doesn't mean they didn't make the cut for my silly little unboxing video. It just means that, uh, <laughs> you know, it's share and share alike. You know, it's, it's not all about me and it's not all about titter pigs. It's about the community that is titter piggity. Oh boy, we Titter need to work Piggly. on that. <laughs> we we got to work on a new like uh, mantra here or something. Yeah, but uh, so yes, we got stuff in the mail as we tend to do, and uh, we're just going to go ahead and trade back and forth here and just kind of give a brief description on what we got, and maybe a little bit of uh, you know our feelings on you know what we have. So Keith, take it away. You take the first. Oh, one. okay. So all right. So I'm digging deep in the mailbag. Scrunchy, mm-hmm. scrunchy, scrunchy. Um, <laughs> I've gotten uh, recently in the mail uh, Lauren Legacy by Imperial Media Production. Originally, it's a French published game. Yeah. Uh, translated into English, there's a quick start that I received, uh, which is very small digest size, and then a digest size, pretty thick hardcover book. Mm-hmm. Uh, they sent it to me to review. I've started kind of digging into it just a little bit because um, okay. it's s- still not at the top of my review pile, but I couldn't help myself. So far, I'm I'm kind of intrigued by it. It's sci-fantasy. So mm-hmm. we all know Keith doesn't like sci-fi per se, but this is sci-fantasy. It's kind of got this Numenera vibe thing going. Oh, okay. Uh, it. But it's not on Earth. It's kind of on a extant planet somewhere in the Milky Way. Uh, so it has the, the whole fantasy thing. Like there's humans, there's kind of like this alien bent stuff. Um, so there's a lot of different like ancestries, races, whatever you want to call it, you know, play it's not your like vanilla Numenera, but it's kind of got this element of this past, uh, lives, past civilizations that you can tap into the, the weird magic and the technology from the past. Mm -hmm. It's different. It's 
definitely unique. Uh, I'm kind of excited about it. Uh, in right. fact, I told one of our listeners when I, I met her for coffee recently that uh, I had kind of just started reading it, uh, the intro, and it like grabbed me just like that. That I like. There, there's been a lot of things that both you and I have on our plate, you know, that uh, we've been trying to get to either virtually or at the game table or whatever. Right. And as of late, there's been several times where I've just been hit. I'm just like, oh, God, why did I have to commit to that? I want to yeah. commit to this new, the new hotness that I have before me that I just got. Why does Cult it have to be? Cult of the new be? strikes. Right, exactly. Why does this have to be so good? But no, it's, yeah. it's unfortunately, it's got to wait. But that, that sounds good. I mean, and if it's, if there's anything that kind of pulls you in at least the half direction in regards to like sci-fi, you know, uh, yeah. you know centric, that's a good thing. That says something about it. I mean, as you said, it's kind of like a sci fantasy thing, but there's still the science fictiony part about it that yeah exactly they have to breach in order to grab your attention so that that says a lot about so it. far cool. so good i mean i'm not i'm, I'm still reserving judgment because i've barely read much of the quick start right but uh once i read it and the full book and get a grasp of the bigger scope of it then i'll be able to you know cast my judgment and write a review very cool all right so what do you got for us scott well, this this particular book that I got recently was something that I picked up at Lulu. Uh, it took a bit of time to, to arrive here, and it was probably primarily... my cat gave you a book. What's going on? Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and uh, it was done partially by your own recommendation, and also kind of like my interest in the same thing that it, it covers. It's uh, casting the runes, the occult investigation in the world of M.R. James. Oh yeah. And unfortunately, this would probably be more your wheelhouse to give a description of. I'm fairly certain you've read it already. I've um, read most of it because I was most a Kickstarter backer. <laughs> but I, I got to say that I have listened to Mr. James. Uh, I know he's not really in a lot of people's wheelhouses per se. I mean, so right. either, either people definitely know who he is, or they kind of do, or they have you know no clue, but they somehow circle back to him. So I, he, his writings are widely available on Audible, so I was definitely listening to it due, your, due to your recommendations. But the big thing that I kind of, you know, I'm looking forward to this is it's hopefully this will break my, uh, I guess, the, the issues that I have with Gumshoe. Uh, uh, okay. And so, I mean, and I, I, I don't hate Gumshoe. My only thing that I had, I, my only introduction to Gumshoe was the... Um, uh, you know, the Call of Cthulhu S game, the, um, oh geez, Trail of Cthulhu? Trail of Cthulhu, Cthulhu Confidential. Uh, not the solo one. So that's okay, Trail, so of, Trail, of, Trail Cthulhu. of Cthulhu. Yeah. And I, I enjoyed it. Uh, but it just, maybe it just has to do with the fact that the genre itself, that it was being utilized. I just felt that, you know, other games do it better. But in this particular instance, and just the, just the detail of information that it had, just, just when I was paging through it, uh, just might be more my wheelhouse for what Gumshoe just might be, uh, as opposed to dealing with the you know the Cthulhu myth- mythos, but do- more so with the the cult aspect that it, that it's presenting here. And I'm a sucker for this type of turn of the century, odd period in in, in American history of this you know this occultism where you know if I remember right, it's Edwardian, right? The uh, period I, I believe is Edwardian. 
Um, Victorian into the Edwardian period. Right. Where, where, where that type of setting is, there's still superstitions, but there's still, you know, the, the, you know, science is changing the world for in certain directions, but, you know, make the, you know, a holy sign as you turn a dark corner or you don't step on your mother's on a crack for fear of breaking your mother's back. So there's, there's this intermingling, (laughs) intermingling of of science as we start to lose our superstitions to that. But, uh, which you know makes humans clumsy in games like this. You know, you you put your faith too faith too much in reality and science. So and, here's my question though: yeah. Did you get print on demand mystery for it that was a, that's not available at Lulu? I believe it's only available at Drive Through. I did not because um, I wanted to get the book itself gotcha. um, and just just read through it. But I gotta say, I mean, I I haven't really given a lot of time, but it it looks like it's going to be it, it's jam packed with information, but it's it's an easy read. Uh, but, um, as far as the layout, the font and everything, it's, it's, it's an eight and a half by 11 book, which I believe if you per, if you backed it, you came into a, it was in a smaller format. If I'm not, no, mistaken. no, mine's eight and a half by 11. Okay, good. So for, for yeah. our aging eyes, they, they no, did a it's good, good for our eyes. <laughs> yes. It's wonderful for our eyes, but, uh, but no, it, it's, it seems interesting enough to, to where I want to give Gumshoe another try. And this, this might be the one for me to go, you know what Gumshoe is? May not be what it's all cracked up to be, in my opinion, but it's definitely something that I would be interested in playing. You know, so. well, sweet. I look forward to you running it for me. <laughs> oh, shut up! Because <laughs> <laughs> I haven't run it yet. I've read most of it. I haven't run it. So, yeah, the, well, you know, uh, oops, I just lost it. I don't oh, know. Damn I, you! It's, it's, it fell to the bottom of the pile. We'll just have oh. to wait. So, uh, I guess we'll have to go back and play D anD D then. <laughs> yes. So what do you got next? All right. So my next, and it actually came in was the same pack. No, it came in a separate package. It's called Movie Night. It's a little indie published oh. game uh, from Drive Through. Little digest size. I think it's forty six pages, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, soft cover. It's by Seven Seven Studios or Seventy Seven Studios. I don't know. Okay. It's geared for all ages. So if you got kids, you can play. Supposedly play with the kids. I've, I'm about halfway through it because it's it's in my review stack. But this is one I purchased for myself, and uh, it's inspired by the '80s movies. You know, mm-hmm. Goonies and ET and that kind of uh, '80s vibe, but also things like um, newer stuff like Stranger Things. Right. So the idea is you are kind of playing kids, hence why it's you know all ages appropriate, mm-hmm. and. You are playing one-shot scenarios. They're they're meant to be played out in one to two, maybe three hours. It's basically like a little three-act uh, movie, right? You know, in digest form. This whole genre playing kids from the '80s, you know, the Stranger Things vibe. You know, yeah. kids on bikes, um, Tales from the Loop, Things from the Flood. That whole genre of games mm-hmm. just appeals to me. It it kind of strokes that uh, nostalgia itch for me, right? So. This was this was kind of like a no brainer when I saw it, um, and easy I think peasy. I think at this point in time you can you can also say that it, it's not really overly saturated, but you kind of need a different uh, uh, twist to right. it. Right, so point I'm hoping this is the different twist. I mean, I like Kids on Bikes; I love it with, to pieces, and mm-hmm. I like the Tales from the Loop things from the Flood. But there, but there are other games that I've played, and I'm just kind of like. Eh. Right. So I'm looking for for something that's a little different angle. So I'm hoping that's th- going to be this. Very cool. So what else you got? Well, let's see here. Horde. I, I have uh, this. This is something that uh, has not recently been published. It's got this weird silver logo on the front called Advanced Dungeons and Dragons Second Edition. Oh, um, sweet baby Jesus! <laughs> no, but what it is is so. 
before I reveal it, there's this little uh, podcast called Vintage RPG Podcast, which they do short little takes on a lot of old school games. And oh, yeah. one, I listen one to them the, regularly. Those guys are badass. One of the ones that they pointed out was this one, the Campaign Sourcebook and Catacomb Guide. Uh, one of the one of many of the AD&D Second Edition splat books. What makes this one special and not part of the oversaturation that they did with with those and kind of virtually killed the second edition rule set was what this particular book turns out according to them and what i've been finding out is this was a bunch of information that didn't make the cut for the dungeon master's guide and what it originally was supposed to be was a supplement but unfortunately it didn't come out till late in the lifespan of second edition so it was overlooked oh yeah and unfortunately the title of it really doesn't allude to what's inside, but it's full of wonderful, timeless uh, game mastering techniques and information by uh, Janelle Jaquay. Uh, or Jaquay, so I'm, I'm never uh, sure I'm not going to butcher her last name. Yeah, nope. so I'm, it's it's either or, so apologies if I get one of them wrong. <laughs> but but, but I'm, I try. But it, oh, it is, you are trying. But one of the things that that they you know that they mention is is you know even though it is you know seated in old Dungeons and Dragons you know AD and D second right. edition is the information you have in there is not really geared towards the rule set. It's specifically designed to provide you with gaming advice that can be applied to second edition, but is universal. And one of the reasons why I picked this up was in preparation for our. AD&D second edition game that hopefully we'll be getting off the ground here in, in a couple weeks. Oh, hell yeah. We'll, we'll see. But I, I just kind of got through the introduction and it doesn't it doesn't really read like some of the other slap books. Uh, some of those kind of became disjointed with just like, you know, here's some more stuff. Uh, this one does continue on in the tradition of the easy read of the original core books that both the the player's handbook and the dungeon master's guide was for second edition so i'm really kind of i'll almost be reading this more from an academic point of view i'll be taking want to be taking notes through it i'm going to be highlighting it uh come on (laughs) it's 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 more like a it's it may be more like a textbook so you know notes and high and highlighting books may be sacrilege for some but you can pick this book up no problem uh, okay. But but now that it's been mentioned by the Vintage RPG podcast and likewise us, uh, hopefully we don't have the same effect they do, and you'll find the cost of this triple uh, because you know <laughs> because both both you know not we don't have the listeners they do, but two podcasts are recommending an old book, and suddenly you see speculation prices happen. So oh yeah, uh, but so yeah, so the campaign source book and catac- catacomb guide. Uh, even though I haven't had a chance to, to get into it. Uh, just from the recommendations that I've heard from them and other people, if you're looking to level up your uh, GM game, I would highly recommend picking it up. Awesome. Well, that's a good segue into my third uh, and final mm-hmm. game for this mailbag or special mm-hmm. delivery. So mine is uh, of a similar angle here. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's in its second edition. It was uh, designed by David Zeb Cook. So okay. for for those of us that know, uh, which should be a good portion of our listeners yep uh this is second edition ad and d in fact it's the player's handbook um the reprint <laughs> uh the print on demand version in fact from uh drive through over at the dm's guild so i had to buy it because i don't right. have my original left anymore uh either the original second edition 
yes that you're holding up and I hate you. Uh, I don't have mine anymore and it's gone the way of the, you know, the dodo bird at this point. I don't know where it's gone. Right. And nor do I have the the second edition revised, which is what this is. This okay. particular version is the one that was reprinted and re-released later mm-hmm. uh, with the green kind of, um, I don't want to call it canvas cloth, but like linen cloth cover. Right, right. So this is the one that um, Wizards is doing as a reprint uh, POD. Right. Yep. I bought it. It's got the red lettering, not the you know the red headers, not the blue headers of the of the first um, printing of the second edition. <laughs> Sorry. Ah, shush. <laughs> you know, I know when we made my character the other night for the Night Below game. I yeah. mean, it was like it was like a, a, a trip down you know memory lane because I haven't touched second oh. edition in go oh my god a lot of years. God, yes. So as I as I skim through this book and flip through it, I'm just like I'm. I'm taken back to like my teenage years, my early twenties going, Oh hell, this is, this is good. Oh wait, that was clunky as shit. <laughs> I mean, but, right. but it, it had so many good memories for me and a few bad ones, but mostly good memories. So how, how is the revised edition? Cause I recently just kind of stated that I, that I did sit down and reread the, the original player's handbook, you know, the, right. the, the, the original printing and uh, you know, blue headers and blue, bluish artwork aside, I found it to be an incredible, incredibly easy read compared to later editions. I, I breeze through the book and you're right. I did kind of hit a couple like, eh, that seems a little bit janky. The rules were kind of, you know, here or there. But as far as digesting the information, it was a very simple, easy uh, right. endeavor. So is, is the, is the revised edition in the similar format? Cause I know it's not the same style and format as the first. Right. One. So layout is different, obviously. Right. Um, Aesthetics are different. Uh, the mm-hmm. game itself is is wholly the same, right? Uh, from first printing of second edition AD and D to this revised version, there's just some errata included, some rule, slight rules tweaks, typo fixes, things like that. That's the the lion's share of what why it's revised. Mm-hmm. I think it it's nice two column uh, layout. I believe the first edition of it was the same way, right? But with blue headers, blue bolded text, and things like that. Oh, this pretty- has Three red, okay. Huh? Uh, it's What'd three column, three column layout. Oh, I just, okay. just opened it up and check. But anyways, okay. yeah, sorry. So this is two column. Uh, so it's a little easier on the eyes. So it's a mm-hmm. little bit bigger. Uh, I think it's might be twelve or twelve point five pitch font for the main body copy. It's it's easy to read. It's easy on the eyes. The layout is is pretty smooth. It seems relatively organic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's 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 very much like the the original book in terms okay. of physical arrangement. But the the aesthetics are different. Right. You know, red or this kind of uh, pale red is the dominant color versus the, the kind of the brighter blue of the first version. That's okay. All, all right. Um, I think most of the artwork is the same. There might be some new pieces of artwork, but it's not. I mean, it, like well, the first the, version, it doesn't have a ton of art anyways. Right, exactly. I was going to say the, the original printing, you know, some recycled Dragon magazine covers and a bit of the, the blue-tinged, uh, you know, artwork. But it really wasn't full of a lot of artwork itself. Yeah, uh, this to, might have, you know, 20 pieces of art in it. I right. mean, okay. it's it's not a ton. But no, it seems to be, uh, for my flipping through, because it's not something I'm, like, voraciously reading. Right. Uh, it's more of a reference book for me. But... It's easy on the eyes as I keep having to like increase the magnification on my, my reading glasses <laughs> for some reason. I'm getting old. But uh, no, it's easy on the eyes. I, I think it's better than the three column of the original. Uh, the red or kind of the 
pale red is not mm -hmm. glaring. It's not like this bright red you see like in Windows. Got it. You got know, it. when you're okay. or in, in Microsoft Word or something. It's so it's aesthetically it's it's nice. It's clean. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Okay. Excellent. Well, I mean that, that's that's good to know. The, I was gonna bring up something else. Uh, but since we're let's keep it on theme here. Um, so another recent book that I got, which we'll close out the mailbag here with, is my printed version, print-on-demand version of what we're going to be running, uh, and that's the Advanced Dungeons and Dragons Night Blow Underdark campaign. Um, the reason, exactly, exactly. <laughs> it, 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 now, if we can corral the rest of the people to give us the time to make their characters. We can get this started, but this this book, you know, like like so many other books that are print on demand, have pluses and minuses. Um, first and foremost, I did not, I don't recall if there was an option going with with the premium paper, and if if I didn't go with it, I kind of wish that I did, just because it's a thicker book. Uh, I mean, it's a night below; it's a, it's a huge campaign, and so you know the even though there's no page numbers on here, it's it's several hundreds of pages. And with the, you know, with the cheaper paper, you're going to get that kind of weird wave, you know, the, right the, from from the the pages not being dried or whatever, or having too much ink on them. That's before. weird because like uh, my second edition AD and D Players Handbook is from mm -hmm. from Drive Through as well, right? And this, I don't believe it's premium color because it was only mm -hmm. like twenty dollars, right? Um, but the paper's thick, and it's right. not like wavy, and not that it has tons of color. I mean, there are some full panel pictures. Right, but it definitely does not have that cheapy feel to it. But mind you, this this is well. I mean, I know this is not good for podcasting, but you know, if you kind of see that picture there of the first page, that that black oversaturated color of that. Yeah. I mean, unless you, unless you have some quite high quality thick paper, that's going to saturate it. But right, it doesn't mean that it's not usable and not readable, and the, the whole purpose of me getting this print on demand was to make reading this this huge uh campaign easier for those of us who just can't handle that on a tablet and also i didn't want to spend you know two kidneys and a liver buying the you know a smashed up collector's edition uh of the box that's for, currently for sale on ebay um, yeah yeah no kidding know. so i mean as as much as as much as i am a collector and i do i will put out a pretty penny depending on certain things uh, that I'm that I'm looking for. I I am also one who uses the stuff for the primary. I'm just I'm not looking for a trophy. And right. as much as I as much as I wanted to have the night below to use, woof. No, it's just it's just it's price it's cost prohibitive to go out and get it just you know to use. But oh yeah. But the good news is is I do have do have the book. Uh, the only downside, and this is true of any box sets that that Watsi uh, has for print on demand, is unfortunately the maps are utterly useless uh, it's nice to kind of have them printed in the back just to view them but you can't use them so i mean if yeah. i was if i was running this at the table i would have to spend a little bit of extra money to have the maps printed separately uh which probably wouldn't be a bad idea in regards to this because you know this type of campaign you would definitely want to have the maps and everything yeah, involved i would i would i would agree with you on that but since we're doing this on demand and and all of, and all of that is 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 baked into the uh you know the vtt we're going to be using it's not as necessary it's just it's just for these poor old eyes to be able to sit down at night and have to read this without my going cross-eyed uh, oh from God, staring yeah. at a screen for too long so i i've been very happy uh, i this is my third 
uh, box set that I've that I've that I've received from Drive Through. Uh, that's been a reprint uh, from uh, from you know an old TSR slash Watsy product. Uh, the Night Below, uh, the Dark Sun box set, and the Planescape box set. You know, same situation. The maps are, bleh. you know, you can't use them. They still come out wonderful and beautiful and colorful, but they're cut up and you know s- sectioned out. But as far as you know, being right. able to have something physical to read uh, for cheap uh, or a lot less than what you would pay for the physical product on eBay or something, definitely well worth it with without question. So yeah. And so for so, the record, I did mm-hmm. pull it up on drive through. Mm-hmm. It's only available in standard color and either soft cover or hardcover. Right. And I got I got the got the hardcover. So so yeah. I mean, and, and like I said, it's not you know this is nitpicking because I mean me. The pages being all wavy and a little bit, little bit wafer thin in certain areas because of the saturated colors on it. It's it's not like they're That's falling fair. out. That's it's not fair. like they're falling out, and, and and most of the saturated colors are due to images uh, themselves. So it's not like I can't read something because this this high. Highly saturated color images on the opposite page. They are divided up properly. So okay, that's cool. So yeah, that's so cool. yeah, night below. So that's a good segue to tell our reader or our readers, uh, our listeners, <laughs> to go uh, listen to. Uh, I think it was episode three. What to expect when you're expecting a uh, mm-hmm. a book in the mail? Yeah. S- Something like that. I don't know what yeah. we title our stuff. It's I, like... I, I'm just guessing at this point. <laughs> I don't know. Just go to Anchor and like just scroll through. You'll find it. Yeah, I think what to expect is, is is in the title somewhere. But yeah, it's literally I think it's what up. to expect when you're expecting a book. I think is the official title. We we could look, but as 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 but as, why 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 should as, we? As Bud as Bud would say, we can't be arsed. Um, hey, nice. <laughs> so, All right, well, we... yeah, I think that wraps us up for mm-hmm. uh, special delivery little segment. Yep. Hopefully, uh, everybody's got a a new appreciation for uh, some old books, some mm-hmm. new stuff. Uh, something to go pique your interest and check out. Okay. Well, I think we'll take a little breather here. And then uh, when we come back, we'll just kind of, you know, take this uh, this episode uh, out to pasture and shoot it. Never mind. No, no, uh, we don't want to shoot it. Some other, you know. Put it in the uh, can. That's it. Reco- there you go. Put it in the can. That is perfect. All right, listeners. Until next time. Hey everyone, Scott here, and I just want to close out this episode by saying thank you so much to Andy for the fantastic conversation and for taking the time to sit down with us to talk all about zines. We're looking so very much to having him on again for more discussions real soon. Also, I want to give a big shout out and a show of gratitude to our listener, Blake Ryan. He's the one who provided us with his rendition of Dr. Mitch's Titterpick intro song that you hear at the beginning of this episode. Also, I really hope he doesn't mind me taking a little bit of artistic license after he sent it to me. If you would like to send us your musical stylings of the Titterpig song, by all means, please do so. Send it to titterpigspod at gmail.com and we will showcase it in one of our episodes. We've recently received a new one from Dr. Mitch and I can't wait to show it to you. I would like to add that both Keith and I have been entangled with the everyday trappings of our everyday real lives and have fallen woefully behind in getting back and responding to all your emails and voicemails that you have sent to us. So in addition to episode six, we will be dropping a mini highlighting those messages real soon. So please keep those coming to the anchor app voicemail or email us at titterpigspod at gmail.com or better yet, attach a soundbite to that email to make it easy for us to add to the episode. 
Finally, I can't say this enough. Thank you one and all for listening to the Titter Pigs podcast. This is an ongoing process for both Keith and I, and we appreciate every listen, every feedback, every email and message that we get, and we listen and read every single one of them. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, and keep on gaming, everyone. Take care.